BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. <laughs> it is Tuesday, April 16th, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times, Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. Only we had a camera. Today on the program, activist Rita Bosworth will join us. We welcome property tax and, dare I say, genius Andrea Rayla. And it's the return of our good friend, El Duffo El Mondragon, election lawyer. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist. Uh. Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this No Retreat Tuesday. And here's why. Great week. Did you have a good weekend, D? Oh, you mean <laughs> two days ago? Yeah. Let me think back. That's, that was so long ago. Yeah, great weekend. Great weekend. I saw a movie, Amazing Grace. Great flick. Run, don't walk to see it. Now, I know I told you to run, don't walk to see another movie last week. That was knocked down the house. There's a lot of running, don't walking Come, advice coming from me. Uh Reminder, quiz update, Amazing Grace is a documentary about Aretha Franklin. Knocked Down the House is a documentary about Alexander Ocasio-Cortez. They have nothing in common other than they're both documentaries dealing with people whose name begins with A. Got that? All right. A test will follow. Anyway, I woke up today invigorated. Invigorated, I tell you. What time is that, like 1030? Uh, I got up early, man. I was up at the crack of 945. Oh, oh, nice. <laughs> There's some guy outside. <laughs> Once again, then there was this other weird guy with a ladder. It's like walking up the alley. I think he was trying to fix the wires, but he kept knocking the wires with the ladder. I was telling my boy, he's going to knock the wire down with the ladders. Anyway, that was my morning. And all of a sudden you called. Hurry up. Get to work. Oh, okay. Here I go. Run, run, run for the train. Anyway, I was invigorated. I tell you. Because Bernie Sanders was on Fox TV last night. You see that, D? Oh, yeah. I think we have a few uh, clips from that, do oh, we, we not? We got a million clips to play from that. Don't want to give the show away, folks, but stick around for Bernie on Fox. Anyway, I'm just going to say a few things about Bernie. He said he was going to go on Fox TV, and he went on Fox TV. They weren't easy on him. Those two hosts, I can't remember their names. Frickin' frack. Whatever their names are, yeah. it doesn't really matter. The Fox TV hosts. They were grilling him. Grilling him, I tell you, about his newfound wealth. Turns out Bernie's a millionaire. So it's like, hmm, you can't speak up for poor people if you're a millionaire. It's like something really confusing. The Fox TV host, hmm, oh, what a hypocrite he must be. You make money. You have a nice house, Bernie. You got to be rich. You got to act like it. You got to be a Republican. Hey, I say this, folks. If a poor guy can vote for Donald Trump, why can't a rich guy Vote for Bernie. In fact, why can't Bernie be a rich guy? Did you think about that, D? Whoa, Whoa I know. <laughs> you know, I, I got to go home. I got to <laughs> sit and think about that one. Just because you're a member of the 1% people doesn't mean you have to be a tool for the 1%. All right? 
big moment came at the health care question. Yep, they asked the M word, as in Medicare for all. You know, Bernie's got this plan to replace uh, all our private insurance with a government-sponsored health care for all plan that uh, universal health care. And uh, Trump thinks it's its ultimate political Trump card. It's a policy equivalent of taking Ilan Omar, Congresswoman Ilan Omar's face, and putting on the the shoulders of every single Democrat who's running for president. That's how Donald Trump thinks he's going to win re-election. And in terms of policy, he's going to scare everybody by saying, it's socialism. Uh. It's the first step toward communism. He wants to take away your private insurance. Be scared. Be very scared. Okay, stop it. (laughs) Scaring me. But you know the funny thing? The Fox TV audience cheered. They want it. It's like, you know, the deal is this. Bernie says it's himself. Uh, as long as we all, m- most of our insurance needs are covered by uh, your job, then you're sort of like an indentured servant to your employer. You cannot leave the employer for fear of losing your health insurance, D. I know a few people like that. And uh, the reality is that's not a very healthy way for society to function. We've got to be you know, acknowledge that at least, folks. And Bernie's doing that. And he got cheers from the Fox audience. Now, I don't know if that Fox audience was packed with Bernie supporters. I've not. Have you seen any indication of who was in the Fox audience? D. Who got the? No. Um, some guy named Joe. <laughs> I remember that. Uh, anyway, so the 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 traditional notion, the traditional wisdom of mainstream Democrats is to, you know, always retreat in the face of tough fights. I think of uh, Mayor-elect Lightfoot on the Lincoln Yard 78 TIFF deals. Yes, yes, yes. I've not yet turned the page on that one. What a callback. <laughs> oh, I'm still getting over pointed. I just write a rip-roaring column on that one for the Chicago Reader, folks. I can't get that one out of my mind. You know... I wish that more Chicago politicians were like Patrick Beverly. We're going to get into this, D. Patrick Beverly from the Los Angeles Clippers, Pride and Joy at Marshall High School, point guard, tough as nails, never backs down. Why can't Chicago politicians be like the sports athletes, the great athletes from Chicago who came out of Chicago? Why can't they play the game of politics the way Patrick Beverly plays the game of basketball? Do you ever think about that, D? Give him a ball. Let's see what happens. Yeah, we'll give him the ball. They run the other way. I'm scared. Here, you take it. Anyway. I think it is commendable that Bernie Sanders went on Fox TV and did not retreat from his support for universal uh, Medicare for all health coverage. And I think it's encouraging that the audience uh, cheered him on in that one. And I think it's really great that the Democrats may nominate. I say may. Still a long uh, way to go before we figure out who the Dems are going to nominate. But I think it's encouraging that the Democrats may nominate a candidate who doesn't retreat on issues that matter the most to the Democratic electorate. The gasps you heard? (gasps) The Democrat establishment saying no. We got a great show today, Dr. D. Yes, yes, yes. Rita Bosworth, executive director of the Sister Project, will be in here talking about how to elect Democrats in Mississippi, Virginia, Louisiana. Can't wait for that discussion. Get your paper and pencils out, folks. Andrea Rayla, property tax genius extraordinaire, will be in the studio helping us figure out property taxes and income taxes. We'll talk to her about Bernie's taxes as well. She's going to explain what an effective tax rate is. All right, D? So get your paper and pencils out. And finally, oh, yeah, folks, get ready. El Dragon, Adolfo Mondragon. Pride and Joy, Curie High School, be in the studio at 2.30, be talking about sleazy Chicago politics. What else? Man, what? just when I think it can't get worse, Ed Burke does something stupid, gets in trouble again. So we'll be talking about uh, the foibles of Chicago politicians. But before we do, 
any of that. The doctor has the news. Hey guys, how's it going? I'm Dennis. It's the middle of the day. Let's talk about the national news happening this afternoon. First off, in case you were wondering, Donald Trump, still a flip-floppy weirdo when it comes to American (laughs) immigration. No major updates on his latest idea, sending migrants at the border to America's sanctuary cities, but we do have our Chicago mayor-elect's thoughts on it. For those who didn't know, Chicago is a sanctuary city. And yes, our local news has gone national. Mm. Here's Lori Lightfoot when asked about Trump and his sanctuary city plan. I don't think that we should take the bait every time the president puts out a provocative tweet. What I think we need to do is make sure that we are being very clear in speaking our values. We are a city that is a sanctuary city. We have immigrants from all over the world who call Chicago their home. They'll continue to do that, and we're going to continue to make sure that this is truly a welcoming community for those immigrants, and we want Mm -hmm. them to come. Here, here. I'm with Lori. Finally, I, I'm looking for things like Lori and I can see eye to eye on after the uh, whole uh, Lincoln Yards right, thing I'll went down. Track. One. <laughs> I agree, I agree One with her 100%. So uh, Donald Trump thing. Oh, I know what I'll do. I'll take all the immigrants uh, who are at the border and detention centers and I'll dump them on Chicago and see what Chicago says. Yeah, Chicago says, yeah, we'll take them. And Chicago, how many people we lost over the last 10 years, Steve? We've lost a lot of people. Bring them in to the city of Chicago, register them to vote, uh, make them U.S. citizens, and then, hey, we'll be, have a large, it'll increase our uh, population for the next census count. Yeah. Donald Trump thinks he's slick. I agree with Lori Lightfoot. And we have another idea from the president to discuss. And boy, this one's a doozy. The world was in shock and awe Monday as the Notre Dame uh, Cathedral in Paris went up in flames. Mm. But never fear, Donald Trump is here <laughs> via Twitter. Proving yet again that there is no one physically near him to say, dude, what the hell are you talking about? What are you talking about, man? He is a nut. President Donald Trump encouraged France to use, quote, flying water tankers to put out the fire. Yeah, he suddenly he's a fire expert, huh? Is that right? Boy, flying water tankers. Look at the planes that fly off. France's, France's civil defense agency politely tweeted back about exactly how horrible of an idea that is. Here's the tweet. The drop of water by air on this type of building could indeed result in the collapse of the entire structure, the agency wrote in French, alongside those who are currently doing the maximum to save Notre Dame. Uh, Also goes on here, helicopter or airplane, the weight of the water and the intensity of the drop at low altitude could indeed uh, weaken the structure of Notre Dame and result in collateral damage to the buildings in the vicinity. Yeah, I see. Lori Lightfoot just got finished saying we played that quote where we shouldn't just react to every tweet that Donald Trump uh, issues, but... uh, on the other hand, he is the president of the United States, one of the most powerful figures in the world, if not the most powerful figure in the world. So when he tweets something, it's a, like sort of like an official proclamation from the United States leader. And it requires some kind of response in more cases than not, particularly when it's he, he's advising doing something that could destroy uh, the cathedral in the name of saving it. So that is why people respond to Donald Trump. Maybe if we could oust him from office come 2020 oh please come 2020 uh then we don't have to respond to every his every tweet but it's kind of hard to uh, ignore them when he's the president of the united states in other news nationally how about that bernie sanders town hall last oh night? yeah oh bernie. man the 2020 democratic potus hopeful <laughs> has been hustling as of late bernie's been campaigning from coast to coast and yet he still had time for a live television town hall monday night and this one was nothing like the previous Democratic candidate town halls we've seen as of late because this town hall was hosted by downstate Illinois' number one cable news source, 
Fox News. <laughs> By the way, I'm from downstate. I can make those jokes, yeah, all right? The 618. We also love the hunting channel <laughs> in whatever form we can take it. But yes, Bernie went to Hannity Land last night. Yeah. He's been receiving praise for it ever since. Some would say, Bernie Slade. I have the audio. Let's recap. First off, kudos to Fox News for hosting Mr. $27 himself. <laughs> You're not fooling anyone, by the way, Fox News. I'm about 90% certain you invited <laughs> Bernie on your channel just to humiliate him. But based on the yeah. crowd during his intro, boy, that sure did backfire. Ladies and gentlemen, Senator Bernie Sanders. Whoa! Thank you very much. Skid Row in <laughs> town? Thank you, Bernie. What a crowd. Did, you, did anyone ever tell you that Bernie sounds like you? Well, it sounds like no, no. I say like, no. It's the other way around. Yeah, it's the other way uh, around. Twenty-seven dollars. Uh, Ten percent. All right. Now the <laughs> obvious took place during Bernie's town hall. Mm-hmm. Bernie called out Donald Trump. Whether you're conservative or moderate or progressive, I don't think the American people are proud uh, that we have a president who is a pathological liar. <laughs> he made fun of Fox News. You know, not everybody thought that I should come on this show, and we appreciate it. All right, your network does not necessarily have. A great deal of respect in my world. <laughs> you got to love Bernie Sanders. Fox <laughs> News' feelings were hurt. That happened. I do want to say that we understand, and we're very grateful that you're here. We are giving you an hour of substance and talk on our airwaves so we can get over the Fox thing, if, if, if you're all right with that. Okay. And Bernie Sanders talked about percentages 8,000 times. For the top 1%, then the bottom 92%, 49% of all the income goes to the top 1%. Okay, top 1%. Try to keep track. Slow down, Bernie. So that went down, but there was quite a bit of substance during this town hall, like when Bernie responded to what we titled last week as the Bernie question. After unveiling his tax returns, America now knows that Bernie is a millionaire. Is that a big deal or not? Here's Bernie Sanders. Now, you raise the issue, I am a millionaire. Well, actually, this year we had $560,000 in income. And that's a lot of money. And that money, in my case, my wife's case, it came from a book that I wrote. Pretty good book. You might want to read it. It was a bestseller, sold all over the world, and we made money. So if anyone thinks that I should apologize for writing a best-selling book, I'm sorry, I'm not going to do it. But let me reiterate. I voted against. I guess on Fox News you said that I benefited from Trump's tax bill. Did you tell people that I voted against Trump's tax bill? Sure, but you did did benefit from it. But I voted against it. And I happen to believe that a tax bill written and pushed by Trump, who told the American people that that tax bill, some of you may recall, would not benefit the wealthy. Remember that? Oh, it's not going to benefit the wealthy. 83% of the benefits went to the top 1%. So I think that's a bad idea. But whether it's me or you or anybody else, I think wealthy people and large corporations that are making billions of profits should start paying their fair share of taxes. But Senator... You know, I got to tell you, I got a feel that, feeling that Bernie brought that audience here. I mean, maybe that, you know, maybe it's just your regular routine Fox audience loves Bernie, but I don't know. It's something a little suspect about it. But anyway, love it. 
And uh, we went through this here in Illinois, D, uh, last year, remember, when uh, our governor, uh, J.B. Pritzker, was running for uh, governor against Bruce Rauner, two billionaires running against each other. And uh, uh, <laughs> our guest has arrived. Mark Brown ushered her in. Wow. Thank you, Mark. Uh, and I love it when a guest comes early, by the way. Um, anyway, uh, so we had this discussion uh, last, uh, yeah, last year. Uh, you know, uh, he's a millionaire. He's a billionaire. He's a billionaire. How could he be for fair taxes? Uh, but apparently there are a few rich people who feel they're not paying enough in, in taxes, feel they should pay more. It's actually more than a few of them. It's... Um, uh, at least 10 of them. <laughs> and uh, Bernie is one of them. So good for Bernie. $560,000 in income last year, and he wants to pay more in taxes. It's hard to argue with that. And uh, Fox is trying to make him out to be some kind of hypocrite, but I don't think it's going to work, Dave. Up next, Bernie's wealth tax plan, if you recall, during his 2016 presidential run. A top-shelf Bernie campaign plan was taxing the wealthy. Obviously, our friends over at Fox News completely disagreed with that, so it makes sense that they tried to corner Sanders on that one last night. Oh. 70% wealth tax. No, actually, I didn't. That was 77%. No, I think another person. What would, what's your number? In the campaign in 2016, we talked about 52%. All right, so 52%. So would you be willing to pay 52% on the money that you made? Oh, so you can volunteer. You can send a check. Oh, you can volunteer, too. We have a... But you suggested, suggested that uh, hey, Martha, everybody in your bracket should do. And Martha, why don't you give? You make more money than I well, do. Why I don't you I give? I didn't suggest a wealth tax. And she's not running for president. And All right, but we're going to fight for a wealth tax. And we're going to demand that we end the absurdity where major corporation after major company, you know what, yeah, in, this tax, bill, in this right tax now. bill that you are defending, families defending like the Koch brothers, of course you're defending it, families support. like the Koch brothers get billions and billions of dollars in savings. That is absurd. Trump wants to repeal the entire estate tax, huge tax breaks for billionaires. You got another question? <laughs> He got another question. See, they wanted to nail him. They wanted to get him to say right there and then, yeah, I'm going to send the money right back so Donald Trump can waste it on stupid things like a wall uh, along the Mexican border. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, again, that that's the Republican strategy. You're going to hear a lot of that, uh, that uh, Bernie is somehow or other uh, uh, fraudulent because he – uh, it wants he's supporting a higher rate of taxation on wealthier people, and he himself is wealthy, and he just doesn't cut the money voluntarily back to the government. And somehow or other, it's not hypocritical when Donald Trump does it because he never says he wants he believes in progressive taxes to begin with. Uh, but it is uh, okay for Donald Trump to waste money on uh, things like the wall at the southern border. So that's going to be the strategy. That and putting uh, uh, Congresswoman Omar's uh, face on the necks of every single presidential candidate for the Democratic Party. Bernie Sanders, Fox News guest last <laughs> night for it, a man. town hall. We have more audio to play from Bernie Sanders' town hall. We will be doing just that a little later on in the program because we're moving on to local news. Benny J, quick question. You ready to find out what's going on in Chicago and or Illinois? I was born ready. Love that answer. Fantastic answer, because coming up after this short little break, people, we are going to find out what else is news. I can't wait. And by the way, our next guest, Rita Bosworth, in the studio. Can't wait to take the deep dive into the discussion with her. Lots to look forward to when we return. When you lose a loved one whose wishes were to be cremated, Chicagoland Cremation Options provides your family a dignified and affordable cremation service. Chicagoland Cremation Options helps you bypass the expensive overhead of a funeral home or cemetery by streamlining the cremation directly. 
It saves you sometimes thousands of dollars. Chicagoland Cremation Options Crematory, just south of O'Hare, five minutes west of Chicago. It's a family-owned business operated by my good friend, Douglas Klein. You can find them at ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. One more time, ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. Hey, thanks, Ben Jarofsky. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, (laughs) live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Yes, indeed, we are live, and it's time for the doctor to take the deep dive in the local news. What's going on, D? I'll tell you what's going on. Going on. Uh oh. Cookies to do. Okay. It's Newman and Lipinski. Round oh, two. Yeah. But first, from Fox News to Kim Fox News. <laughs> How about Whoa, that, huh? Oh, that's really good, man. We have an did you go to radio school. Oh, yes, I did, okay. actually. We have an update on our conservative listeners' favorite thing to oddly obsess over these days. And yes, it's getting pretty annoying the Jesse Smollett case. Mm-hmm. Good Lord, this thing won't go away, Ben. As we ended the show Friday, we learned that our Cook County State's Attorney, Kim Fox, asked the county's inspector general to review how her office handled Empire actor Jesse Smollett's criminal case. Ben, what were your thoughts on that again? Uh, Well, first of all, I thought it was pretty outrageous that she took the phone call beforehand, but I think it's really outrageous that uh, so many people are making such a big deal about it and they were silent, hiding under the table. All right, hiding under the table when the the Cook County uh, State's Attorney was uh, ducking and dodging about uh, indicting uh, Mayor Daley's nephew for slugging someone in a fight on Rush Street. It's interesting how they pick and choose their outrage, okay? So I believe them when I see them stand up to Mayor Daley's nephew. Go ahead. So by now, we all know the ins and outs of this thing, all Mm -hmm. right? And we've all heard what our current mayor, but thank God only for about a month longer. (laughs) Rahm Emanuel has to say about uh, yeah, the prosecutor's yeah. decision to okay. drop all 16 charges against Smollett for faking his own hate crime. Uh-huh. Where is the accountability in the system? Oh, you cannot God. have, because of a person's position, one set of rules apply to them, <sighs> and another set of rules apply to everybody else. In another way, you're seeing this play out in the universities, where people pay extra to get their kids a special position. All right, that's enough. All right, yeah. Let's, by the way, talk about two sets of rules, Rom. What about the rule where some people with a lot of wealth don't have to pay the property taxes uh, to the schools and the parks, et cetera? They just get to pay it for their own deals. What about that, huh? Yeah. All right. <laughs> so you know how our current mayor feels about that, yeah. but how does our mayor-elect Lori Lightfoot Ooh, right. feel about all of this? Okay. Shout out to ABC7 Chicago. They got the scoop. Mm-hmm. While she wouldn't weigh in on the outcome of what we now call Smollettgate, <laughs> but according to Lori Lightfoot, the Jesse Smollett case doesn't rank as a matter of any importance things on our plate, a lot of pressing issues that are truly affecting uh, people's lives. This doesn't rank as uh, a matter of any importance to me. All right. Well, it's good. You know, she's moving on. And I think uh, Rom stirred up the hornet's nest with this thing. And Eddie Johnson, the police chief, I think Eddie Johnson, well, I can't speak for Rom, but I got a feeling that Eddie Johnson also wants to move on. Uh, and we just have some serious issues of crime uh, in the city of Chicago. Day doesn't bring another horrible story of somebody murdered in the city of Chicago. And uh, we're really grappling with how to deal with that and what we can do to deal with that. And uh, to have so much focus, uh, so much attention on this like made for TV drama is um, a waste of time. That said, I welcome an investigation. I have to say, I'm a little, I'm going to, a little distinction between me and. Uh, uh, and a mayor like Lightfoot in this one, I do welcome the investigation by the inspector general to see just, you know, what that phone call was all about and how open is our, our state's attorney to outside pressure.
In other Kim Fox news, I know, bummer. She has other things going on in her job that doesn't involve D-list actors. And hey, this is good news, Ben. (laughs) Fox is looking to follow through on a plan she had back in January. In the coming months, the Cook County State's Attorney plans to begin wiping clean thousands of minor cannabis convictions. Mm -hmm. Here, here, I'm with her on that one 100%. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and Tom Shuba. The announcement was met with both rousing applause from the clout-heavy city club attendees as well as fawning support from the internet, but Fox now faces the daunting task of setting the plan in motion. Fox told the Sun-Times that her office won't attempt to expunge the cannabis convictions all in one false swoop. Nevertheless, the state's attorney's office hopes to start clearing the first round of convictions in a matter of months. Fox said her office is seeking to enlist a nonprofit Code for America, which has already assisted with expungements in California. In February, the San Francisco District Attorney's Office teamed with Code for America to dismiss 8,132 convictions dating back to 1975. Here's the quote from Kim Fox, quote, the question is, how far back can we go? How far back does the data go? Which will give us what our universe looks like. But we're in the process of figuring that out. Ben Jarofsky, we'll ask you, how far back should these cannabis convictions go? Uh, as far back as we can take them. I've, I've always felt that um, the, the rules uh, regarding marijuana were exceedingly hypocritical. Boy, I wish Fox TV would champ. Talk about hypocrisy. Why don't they champion this as a cause? I've, I felt that the war on drugs was completely misguided, a waste of time, money, and effort. It's destroyed communities, families, people's lives. So as much as we can do to rectify the damage from the this war, I welcome. And this is what really irritates me the most about Smollett Gate, because Kim Fox was a champion for alternative sentencing, so we just don't throw people in prison for crimes that are just relatively minor, uh, misdemeanors, if you will, even if it's not, uh, it's, it's only in the generic sense of the of the word, excuse me, on a, like a metaphorical sense of the word. So I welcome uh, this effort, and I wish, you know, this, this um, Smollett Gate wasn't being used as a tool against her attempts to have alternative sentencing as opposed to throwing people in jail. Okay, moving on. In November of 2018, it was one of the most talked about congressional races in the country. The third congressional district race, Democrat Dan Lipinski, or as I now call him, Mr. Barely, (laughs) because he's barely a Democrat and he barely won the election. Lipinski may have gotten the worst news of of his year thus far this morning. He's about to get the rematch from hell against the lady who was so close to getting him out of yeah. office. 48.9% to Lipinski's 51.1%. Democrat Marie Newman. Ben, walk us through this. All right. Marie Newman ran against Dan Lipinski. Dan Lipinski, this is the southwest side of the city of Chicago. Folks goes from the into the suburbs, and uh, it's a Democratic area on uh, economic principles. Bernie Sanders won that district in the 2016 uh, Democratic primary against Hillary Clinton. So on economic issues, it's very Democratic. Uh, it would support something like Bernie's Medicare for All plan, for instance. Very strong union base. A lot of union members in that area. Uh, Marie Newman ran hard at Lipinski from, from the left. Lipinski is one of the few, if maybe he's the only, I don't know, I can't, can't say for certain, Democrats in Congress uh, who's essentially um, against a woman's right to choose, uh, very much militantly against abortion rights, and kind of weak and wobbly on gay rights as well. And so in those social issues, you would think he would fit right in with Donald Trump's Republicans. Uh, but he's still a Democrat. He is, of course, the son of William Lipinski, longtime political powerhouse in the city of Chicago, former alderman, former congressman himself. In fact, William Lipinski 
Lipinski handed off the congressional seat to Dan Lipinski a few years back in one of those classic Chicago father donates to son or daughter maneuvers that we see happen so regularly. I thought Marie Newman was going to beat him. Uh, with uh, thanks to union support, uh, Lipinski was able to edge out uh, Newman, and he also brought in a Damn lot. Damn you, of, Lipinski! Yeah, he also brought a lot of door-to-door people who were uh, anti-abortion were going door-to-door trying to rally uh, the pro-life uh, forces in that area. So, uh, they, the wise people in Chicago politics and politics in general, and Rita Bosworth can maybe speak to this when she comes on, say that. The first bite of the apple is often unsuccessful, but if it's a close race and the incumbent is seriously challenged, the second time could be where the challenger will prevail. So that may—that's that's obviously what Marie Newman is hoping as she goes after uh, Lipinski again in 2020. Oh, I love apples. Here's the quote from Marie <laughs> Newman, and wait for the sick burn at the end here. Quote, it's time for a real Democrat to represent us in Washington. Not the conservative son of a ward boss. Those days are over. Yeah, well, she's uh, there you go. She's coming up fist flying. Son of a ward boss. Well, she's picking up from uh, uh, Lori Lightfoot's campaign. She's going to put, uh, you know, that ward boss tag on uh, Lipinski and it's going to be hard for him to shake it. Maybe he should just embrace it and say, you know, as the ward boss's kid, I brought a lot to my district. That'll be interesting if he tries that tag. Yeah, it probably won't happen. All right, so two questions here. Mm-hmm. Why is this race so important and nationally reviewed or overlooked? And what do you think of Newman's chances this time around? Well, I, I to, to answer your first question first, uh, it's important because it's a sign of how loyal will the Democrats be to an incumbent, even if he uh, abandons them on many of their key core issues that they believe so uh, strongly in, like uh, choice. And uh, it'll be a tough position again for Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House. She supported Lipinski the last time, took a lot of criticism in Chicago, uh, but she is uh, from the Mike Madigan school, that old school where leaders of the Democratic Party Stay with their caucus members till the bitter end sometimes. And so that's why it's an important race, because it's going to be sort of a referendum on where the Democrats are going. Uh, It probably will get lost in the shuffle this time around, because he obviously will be electing a president or a presidential nominee. So it probably won't get as much attention uh, as it did. And uh, I think Marie Newman's got a pretty good chance. I sort of subscribe to that notion that the second bite of the apple is the one that works. Once again, love apples. (laughs) My goodness. And there you are. Just like that, you're now in the know of what's going on in Chicago and or Illinois. And now you will have an answer the next time someone asks you, hey, what else is news? Uh, Let me tell you something. Okay. Something that Bernie Sanders. Oh, all right. Something that we get at Bernie's. Oh, the dead guy. Great. (laughs) Great flick. And something that my Uncle Bernie uh, always says. Hey, Uncle Bernie. You did a great job. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. We got a Rita Bosworth sitting on deck. She's raring to go. Talk some politics. We'll be right back. Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you by the Chicago Sun-Times. For the latest in Chicago and Illinois news, sports, weather, and the latest in national news from a real Chicago frame of mind and real Chicago writers, check out the Chicago Sun-Times. Read the daily paper or online at chicago.suntimes.com. And hey, if you have a little extra cash, subscribe. And by the Chicago Reader. For a deeper dive in the daily Chicago news and for all of what's going on in this city, you gotta read the reader. Music, arts and culture, film, extensive event calendars, concert listings, and more, including weekly political columns from writers like Maya Dukmasova and, yes, our very own Ben Jarofsky. 
The Chicago Reader is free in newsstands and at chicagoreader.com. That's chicagoreader.com. break over welcome back to the ben jarofsky show yes indeed we are back live from the chicago sun times building i'm happy to say my next guest rita bosworth the executive director of sister project welcome to the show rita thank you so much i'm so happy to be here and i'm so happy that you came on time love it when my guests come on time it's one of the great moments of any day for me uh when that that moment when they walk in and she was ushered in by no other than uh the great mark brown legendary chicago journalist uh here at the sun times and listeners well, if you haven't learned by now uh, he gets very freaked out when they're not on time where are they <laughs> Anyway, Rita Bosworth doesn't play, okay? Uh, now, Rita, you flew into Chicago last night, I want to say. Uh, Sister Project is not a local-based organization, but so explain to folks exactly what the Sister Project is. Sure. So we're actually called the Sister District Project. My bad. That's okay. Mm-hmm. And we are and we aren't a local organization. I'm based out in California with the rest of my co-founders, but the idea is we are organizing volunteers all across the country, particularly in these deep blue areas where people feel like their actions in their own backyard aren't maybe as meaningful as what needs to be done in the rest of the country. Mm -hmm. And so we organize volunteers and then we match them up with strategic state legislative races in other parts of the country where the Democratic candidate needs a boost in order to win. That's why we're called the Sister District Project, literally sister teams of volunteers with candidates elsewhere. And once they have their candidate, they raise money, make phone calls, knock on doors, send postcards, all of those volunteer actions that help get candidates elected. But they're doing it remotely because we have so much capacity as Democrats in these blue areas of the country. We are actually a majority of the country, but we don't have a majority of electoral power because of largely the way our maps are drawn. And so this is an attempt to bring balance back to how we're represented in government and allow everybody, no matter where they live, to do something meaningful to participate in the process. All right, so before we take a little deeper dive in all this, uh, if folks want to volunteer, if, for instance, they want to get active in, let's say, a legislative race in Mississippi or Louisiana or Virginia, uh, how can they volunteer? How do they find you and uh, send you their names and their info so they can be a volunteer? The thing to do is to go to sisterdistrict.com and there you can enter your information. You actually enter your zip code and that allows us to connect you to the people in your area who are organizing in person. We actually have seven teams in the Chicago area in different neighborhoods, people that are organizing in person. That's how you get connected to your team. And then we will give each team two to three candidates per election cycle that they can help. And so this year, of course, 2019, there aren't a whole lot of races. Only four states are having legislative elections this year. The big one is Virginia, because we only need to flip two seats in the Senate and two seats in the House of Delegates in order to flip both those chambers. It would be a huge prize for Democrats. And so we're going hard in Virginia this year. And as you mentioned, Louisiana and Mississippi are also having legislative elections this year. Now, we're not delusional. We don't think we're going (laughs) to flip those states. But there is value in winning the seats that you can. It gives you leverage. It brings you to the table. And they also, Mississippi and Louisiana, both have gubernatorial races this year. And what we found is by getting out the vote for those candidates down the ballot, 
that actually helps increase turnout up the ballot as well. All right, let's talk about uh, winning in Virginia. We'll put Mississippi to the side. We'll come back to Mississippi. That's just uh, amazing to just even think that Democrats can win in Mississippi. Uh, Virginia, uh, talk about uh, some of the districts that are at play for the Democrats. You say they're two down in the state legislature. They call it the House of Delegates. Did I get that correct? That's right, yeah. The House of Delegates is what we in Illinois would call probably the House of Representatives. Right. And then there's the state Senate itself. So we're they're two down. The Dems are two down. So if they can flip two seats, the Dems will be the majority party in the uh, House of Delegates in Virginia? Yes. All right. So do you have more than two seats targeted? We do. So we are. So let me back up a little bit and say that we. I founded this organization with my co-founders about a week after Donald Trump was elected. Wow. So we're fairly new. But the first thing we did in 2017 was get into the Virginia House of Delegates races. It was one of the only states having elections that, that year in 2017. People might not know this, but Virginia is one of the most badly gerrymandered states in the country. So even though Virginia has a Democratic governor, two Democratic senators, they've gone for the Democratic presidential candidate the last three election cycles. In 2016, uh, Republicans controlled seven of their 11 congressional seats. Mm. So even though this is what we can call a blue state, because the Republicans control their state legislature and they have the power to draw and gerrymander the voting maps, they're able to give themselves two times more power in Congress than Democrats. And this is the problem we're addressing in so many states. So in 2017, Democrats only had 34 out of 100 seats in the House of Delegates. And we went all in in Virginia in 2017, and we brought that number up to 49 out of 100. So now we're in a position where we're just one seat away from getting an even 50-50 split, and we're just two seats away from flipping that chamber entirely. Now, it's going to be harder this year because I think in 2017, we picked off a lot of of Clinton districts. This year, um, the districts are going to be harder, but there are districts in play this year that were not in play in 2017. So we're optimistic that we can go in there and flip those two seats and hold the seats that we have take control of that chamber and also the senate is up this year so we, we we're, we're working in both of them all right now let me ask this one so our uh is virginia like illinois where every uh legislative seat is up every two years that is every the house of delegates or the house of representatives uh the the uh, in illinois are up every two years is it the same way in virginia it is the same way the the house delegates every two years and the senate every four years all right so that means that um I'm just playing strategic uh, strategist here. Uh, everybody wants to be one. Only a few like Rita can be one. Uh, but that means that the districts, the seats that you won, those quote unquote Clinton districts that you won last time around are also up for re-election. So the Republicans probably were going to come hard at you in those as well. So you're not just trying to win two seats. You have to hold on to the seats that you captured in the last go around, correct? That's correct. Yeah. And, and luckily, a lot of those districts we feel pretty good about. There are some that we're going to continue to defend some incumbents. Um, I don't really know what was happening in Virginia prior to 2016 because I wasn't involved in politics before then, but there were districts where Democrats didn't even run. And so Republicans really had a stranglehold on that chamber. But now we're going in eyes wide open and hopefully we can keep pushing the ball forward. All right. So let's talk about, uh, man, it's going to be tough because now like you've gotten the quote unquote easy seats out of the way in 2018. You're going after some uh, hardcore Republican seats. What, what makes you think that you could flip two? Uh, de- and again, folks, just so you know, the map is set up by Republicans to benefit Republicans. I'm going to go into my soapbox here for a moment. Rita, here in Illinois, we have this thing called a fair ma- map 
project. Everybody wants to have a fair map in Illinois. They don't play that game in Virginia. The Republicans are in charge. They're not believing in fair maps. They got a map that's created uh, to uh, help Republicans. So I'd be a little more sympathetic to a fair map project here in Illinois if I saw Republicans doing it in Virginia. All right, enough with my soapbox. Let me go back to you, Rita. So um, what uh, leaves you confident that you can flip seats that uh, were impervious to your Democratic efforts the last go around? Well, remember how I said that in 2017, we got up to 49 out of 100 seats. That 50th seat, that one that would have given us the power, Mm -hmm. was a woman named Shelly Simons. And she actually tied. It was a dead tie. And the way they determined the race, the way Virginia determines the race, is they draw a name out of a hat. And her name did not get drawn. So if anybody ever tells you that their vote doesn't matter, you tell them the story of Shelley Simons, where one vote cost her not only her seat, but it cost Democrats control of the entire chamber. We're going to be supporting Shelley again, and we're excited about that race. I think people in her district will be excited about voting this time, given what happened before. Um, And then there are are other candidates who lost by just a very small margin, and they're even more in play this year than they were before. One other thing I wanted to point out when you you talk about the, the maps, sometimes people think, well, it's just drawing a map. What What damage can that really do? In 2017, Democrats received 10% more net votes than Republicans. Mm. 10% more. And we couldn't even get control of the House of Delegates. What are you talking about in Virginia? In Virginia. I got you. So with even 10% more net votes, we only got up to 49 seats. That is the effect of gerrymandered maps. It means that Democrats don't have to win by one vote or one point. We have to win by more than 10 points mm-hmm. just to achieve an even majority. Yeah. So what the Republican map makers do, ladies and gentlemen, is they take as many Democrats as they can and put them in the one district, and then they don't care about that district. Of course, it's going to be Democrat. But that by packing them all uh, into one district, you loosen their, you lessen their impact on adjoining districts, so we're like, maybe it's a 50-50 split, and then the Republicans can win if uh, turnout is down, or uh, they can manipulate Democrat Democratic voters into doing something foolish, like vote for Republican. So that's how they play the game. All right, so uh, Shelly Simons will be running against uh, the person that defeated her, who won the hat pick. <laughs> yes, the person who won the name draw, won in quotation yeah. marks. Yeah, and so, um, wow, Todd, yeah, I do remember that. Uh, all right, so then um, what are the issues uh, that you think Democrats have in their advantage in a purple state like Virginia? You know, what I love about working in state races is that it's actually not necessarily about what's being talked about at the national level. People really care about what is happening in their neighborhoods and their districts. And one of my favorite stories is a candidate named Danica Rome in Virginia. She's the first transgender woman to be elected to the House of Delegates in uh, 2017 in the, Virgin- in the Virginia races. And she was running against a man who'd been in office for decades. He was on record spouting bigoted nonsense, misogynistic, racist nonsense. He was a self-professed bigot, and he wouldn't debate her. He wouldn't call her a her. He was absolutely shameful. But she beat him because she talked about traffic. She was a transgender candidate running, and obviously her victory was historic, but she talked to the people about the things that mattered to them. She had been a journalist for several years and focused on traffic. So what we find is that if you talk to the people about the issues that are actually affecting them, not necessarily what the presidential candidates are talking about, but what is going on in their communities, that really resonates. And you can get folks to vote for these 
for those people, even across party lines, if they are addressing those issues. My guest is Rita Bosworth, Sister District Project. Don't forget district, Sister District Project. Uh, It's an effort uh, to elect Democrats as legislators uh, in states where, in this case, Virginia, you flip it uh, from a Republican-controlled assembly to a Democratic-controlled assembly. That's power for the Democratic Party to sort of set the agenda, the legislative agenda, and also, I believe, draw the map. Am I correct on that? The map will be drawn, the the, uh, Virginia legislative map will be redrawn after the census. So that would be about 2021 or 2022, uh, there will be a new map. So will Democrats, I'm not aware, I know a lot about politics, Rita, but I don't know the map drawing process in the state of Virginia. Uh, Is it done by the legislatures? Yes, Virginia is one of the 34 states in the country where the state legislature controls redistricting. And you're absolutely right that we're coming up in a really important time. We have the census happening in 2020, which means that in 2021, every single state will redraw all of their maps, both for their state legislatures and for Congress. Mm -hmm. So we at Sister District are calling our 2019 and 2020 races our last chance races, because it is our our last chance to win back power in the states before redistricting. The maps we're all living with right now were drawn back in 2011. And of course, in 2010, the Republicans had a huge landslide victory of power at every level of government. We're still living with those maps because they last for a decade. So that's the bad news. But the good news is these next two years are really important time for us to be active so that we can win back power in the states and set up fair maps for the next 10 years. All right. Now, uh, in the last go around 2018, I know this because I talked to so many Dems, uh, that was, there was so much momentum, uh, part of the resistance movement emerging from the shock of waking up as uh, that, whatever date that was in November and realizing that, uh, Donald Trump was the president and so many Democrats poured out. There was the, uh, the women's March and, uh, at the inauguration day in 2017 and a lot of that in- individual groups were popping up all over the country. Uh, a lot of energy and focus and effort was put at those midterm elections and to some degree they succeeded The Democrats took back the house, uh, Nancy Pelosi's now the Speaker of the House. So it was successful. Um, My fear is, or my concern is, I should say, is that some of those passions have the ebb, they retreated uh, since the 2018 congressional election. And I guess I have this other fear, secondary fear, that Donald Trump has somehow become normalized, that people become more just accepting of him. They're just sort of used to him. Let's deal uh, with each one of those issues, uh, Rita, if you will, starting with the first one. Has some of the passion, in your humble opinion, retreated since the congressional election? Thankfully, no. And I was a little bit concerned about that myself, but we actually have seen that people are, of course, very thankful and relieved that the midterms went the way they did in terms of the House of Representatives. But people understand that this is a long-term process and we can't just give up and stop now that we we had one good victory. So that's been encouraging. Our membership continues to grow. People continue to volunteer. They still want to know what they can do. And I do think that You know, on the issue of Trump being normalized, I haven't seen that. And I think he does that to himself. I mean, every day he's tweeting out something new that's outrageous and it kind of reinvigorates people, right? In in a way, he's shooting himself in the foot, at least with those that oppose him. Um, In a way, he has been the single thing that's been able to unify the Democratic Party because everybody is in opposition to him. So uh, I don't... I. 
of course, it's something we want to watch, but I haven't seen it. And I think the most important things for Democrats to realize is this is going to be a journey we are on for the rest of our lives. Doesn't matter what happens, when we win, if we ever stop, then things can go downhill again. And so that's a lesson I know a lot of our volunteers have learned. And I still encounter people even today who want to know how they can help, want to get involved. And so that's been encouraging. All right. Now, um, one of the things that he tweets about, Donald Trump tweets about, uh, is uh, Congresswoman uh, Ilan Omar from Minnesota. And it's clear to me, Rita, that that will be uh, Omar, Congresswoman Omar, will be the face, the image that they try, the Republicans try to put on the shoulders of every single Democrat, uh, no matter how much they may uh, oppose Omar and this or that issue. Uh, but that's the tactic. They tried that here in Illinois in a, in a bizarre, different way by putting a, a man named Michael Madigan head on every single a Democrat that was running in the last election. It didn't work. Uh, so let's talk about that. This is something, um, obviously, a strategist like yourself is going to have to deal with. Uh, do you think they're going to be doing that, let's say, in a purple state like Virginia, take Omar and you'll be getting, uh, you know, uh, mailers or flyers saying that uh, so-and-so is, you know, an ally with Omar? Do you think they're going to do that? Absolutely. We've seen that Republicans have no shame when it comes to their advertisements. I mean, we saw this in 2017 in the Virginia governor's race where his opponent, the Republican uh, candidate, was sending you know, pretty unabashedly racist literature out. And, and it was their overt strategy. So I don't doubt that they're going to stoop to any and all levels. And their tactics are fear and hatred and divisiveness. So what the Democrats have going for them, though, is that we actually are a majority of the country. And I keep coming back to this. If we voted, we would win. If we turned out, we would win. The Republicans have gerrymandered the maps. They have changed the rules in order to give themselves power, um, including suppressing the vote, making it harder to vote, enacting voter ID laws. All of these things are being done because Republicans know that if it was a fair fight, they would lose. Mm -hmm. And so what we have to do is just keep moving forward. We have to get our people out to vote. We have to get them to the polls. We have to cut through the noise and all of the racist ridiculousness that they're going to throw at us. We have to stick to the issues that people care about, talk about the things that are affecting their lives, and show them that we are the people that are going to help them, not just try to make them angry. All right. My guest is Rita Bosworth. The name of her group is sisterdistrict.com. We're going to take a little break. We'll be right back with Rita Bosworth. Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you by the Chicago Sun-Times. For the latest in Chicago and Illinois news, sports, weather, and the latest in national news from a real Chicago frame of mind and real Chicago writers, check out the Chicago Sun-Times. Read the daily paper or online at chicago.suntimes.com. And hey, if you have a little extra cash, subscribe. And by the Chicago Reader. For a deeper dive in the daily Chicago news and for all of what's going on in this city, you gotta read The Reader. Music, arts and culture, film, extensive event calendars, concert listings, and more, including weekly political columns from writers like Maya Dukmasova and, yes, our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader is free in newsstands and at chicagoreader.com. That's chicagoreader.com.
If you would like to advertise with The Ben Jarofsky Show, and who wouldn't, contact Tracy Bame at publisher at chicagoreadercorp.com. We have several advertising options for your business or organization. And quite frankly, we would love nothing more than to tell our listeners all about it. Once again, that's Tracy Bame at publisher at Chicago Reader Corp. at C-O-R-P as in Paul dot com to advertise with the Ben Jarofsky Show, the Chicago Reader and the Chicago Sun-Times. We look forward to plugging you. OK, well, that came out kind of weird. More of the Ben Jarofsky Show live and downloaded in moments. Hey, welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Benny J, take it away. Uh, I love that little song. Da, 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 da. Anyway, Rita Bosworth is in the studio. Sisterdistrict.com, folks. Got a lot of political energy left over. Still feel that resistant. Still want to take a stand against Trumpism and Republicans. They're crazy Republican Party. Uh, you should get in touch with uh, the people at Sisterdistrict.com. I got that right, Rita? You did. Got that district in there. Sisterdistrict.com. And uh, they'll send you out the dispatch you to Virginia. Get to work. Flip that legislative uh, district there, the Legislative Assembly in Virginia. And they'll also send you maybe to Mississippi. All right, Rita Bosworth. Mississippi, have you lost your mind? (laughs) (laughs) Mrs. Damn Mississippi, as Nina Simone said. Uh, uh, Well, she actually said something else. But anyway, um, so you think that what's your efforts in Mississippi? You don't think you can switch, flip the legislator, do you? No, no, not at all. Here's the deal. First of all, we have to look and see what elections are actually happening. Mm -hmm. And in 2019, some people call it an off year. We say there are no off years, but there are very few elections happening this year. Only four states are having legislative elections. New Jersey's having elections, but we're not participating in New Jersey races because we figure they're okay. So we're going to be in Virginia. That's a big prize. And then the other two states that are having races are Mississippi and Louisiana. Now, if there were a bunch of other swingy purple states having races, we'd probably be in those instead. But the fact is that, number one, the South has been ignored, and they certainly feel ignored. And there are a lot of progressives down there that I think could do a lot of good if they got some support. Number two is that they both have, Louisiana and Mississippi, both have very important gubernatorial elections. You might not have known this, but Louisiana actually has a Democratic governor right now, John Bell Edwards. He's up for re-election this year in 2019. And he will be instrumental in making sure that Louisiana has fair maps when redistricting happens if he stays in office, because the governor will have veto power over those maps. Mm-hmm. Mississippi. Um, There is a viable Democratic candidate. He was the attorney general. He's very popular. He's currently tied uh, in a dead heat with the Republican candidate. And again, if we got a Democratic governor in Mississippi, that would have implications for Democrats when it comes to voting rights and those maps. So the idea is we can make a difference by supporting races in these states, even if it's not directly going to give power to Democrats or flip a chamber, by going in and supporting these candidates that need help and winning some races on the state level. Um, that gives us leverage in those chambers, and it also helps give Democrats the chance to elect a Democrat in a statewide office. Now, are you saying that there, the Attorney General in Mississippi is running for re-election, or is the Attorney General in Mississippi now trying to be run for governor? He's trying to run for governor. 
I see. So there's a chance. I have a hard time believing this, but there's a chance a Democrat may be elected governor in the state of Mississippi. That That is what the data says right now. Yes, he's apparently um, in a dead heat or even maybe slightly ahead of the Republican challenger. It's a there's no incumbent. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's the opportunity here. And you'll recall that in the South, they do have a history of sometimes electing these Southern Democrats. And so politics are very different down there. And we're learning that we're trying to, to meet folks on the ground and talk to them and, and help them in ways that they need help and certainly not go in and, and do anything that isn't wanted. Um, but we are we have been met, met with open arms and are happy to help those folks down there. All right. Uh, by the way, uh, Andrea Rella, my next guest has entered. I love it when a guest comes early. Uh, she's <laughs> Folks, I'm sorry, Rita. I didn't mean to start laughing, but uh, <laughs> a good friend of mine, Doris Davenport, is also in the studio uh, looking very 60s. All right. Now, Rita, um, one of the things I was uh, found encouraging, we played these tapes earlier. I don't know if you uh, heard them. Uh, Bernie Sanders was on Fox TV last night being interviewed, and he spoke. Um, uh, he just would not back down. He did not retreat. He was very passionate about his belief uh, that we should have universal health care. And uh, the audience was very receptive, to put it uh, mildly. Now, I, again, as I said earlier, I don't know if that, if he chose the audience or Fox TV chose it, but whatever. Uh, he went before the Fox TV audience and he preached the need for uh, universal health care. Are there Bernie, and I put that in quotes, Bernie-type issues that, in your humble opinion, did you've seen that resonate with uh, Trump voters that could be things that um, Democrats use to their advantage in the 2020 election? Well, I think the concepts that Bernie Sanders put forth are appealing to everybody. Universal free public education and free college, obviously free healthcare, universal healthcare. These are things that in the abstract, I would think that almost anybody would agree would be a good thing. You get derailed, of course, when Republicans start calling it socialism, even though, of course, they all accept corporate welfare. And um, and and they start turning these into political issues. I think Bernie has done a good job of trying to keep the politics out of it, so to speak, and just talk to the people and say, these are things that you want. These are things that you need. These are the things I want to give to you. I think what um, gives people some pause is that they want the thing that he's saying, but they, they're not really sure how we're going to get there. And I, and I think that's a fair um, question for people to ask. Do we have the budget? Is Congress just so broken and dysfunctional that nothing no policy will ever get passed again. Mm-hmm. The, the kind of from here to there is where the questions are. So I think that's going to be his challenge is convincing everybody that um, that he, these are great ideas and also I can get them done. All right. Now, the other thing is, and I, I may have mentioned this to you when we were at break, uh, what's different about the 2020 legislative races uh, from the 2018 is that there'll be a, a contentious Democratic primary, a battle for a president. The paper today was filled with stories about how Bernie's faction and Hillary Clinton's faction are still going at it, all right? (laughs) It's been four years or three years, but they're still going at it. And some of these old feuds just won't die. Um, How difficult will it be for strategists like yourself who are looking for very local issues to win, you know, local races, excuse me, how difficult would it be for you to keep uh, focused on uh, the local races when the Democrats at the top of the ballot are fighting? I don't think it'll be difficult at all, actually, because we don't even usually discuss what's happening on the national level or with the presidential candidates when we're talking about these local candidates or the the issues that they're talking about. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that's going to be difficult. People can differentiate what's happening up top from what's happening down below and and what's actually going to affect them. And so luckily, um, this is something that we're not too worried about. But I do. I also will say on a hopeful note that um, 
people, I think, many people have learned from the 2016 election cycle. And I've seen many people say, no matter who the candidate is, I'm going to vote for them. And that's encouraging and a little bit of a change from the last time. All right. Finally, before I let you go, I want to ask you the Pelosi question. Uh, in the last go around, the, the Republicans try to use Nancy Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi to scare up their base and get them to vote against whoever the, uh, the Democrats were running. Uh, I think they, as I said, they're going to switch uh, Representative Omar uh, for Pelosi. I think that's their tactic to to play on anti-Muslim feelings. Uh, maybe uh, Ocasio-Cortez as well. Uh, but generally, how do you think uh, Nancy Pelosi is playing uh, in some of these swing districts that you'll be uh, campaigning in? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I've never understood why people care about Nancy Pelosi, and they obviously the Republicans have been fairly effective at at um, pinning people to her or aligning them with her to the extent that even some Democratic winners have said, well, I'm not going to vote with Nancy Pelosi on this, or I'm not going to do this with her on that. And I, I think it's a little bit silly. The Republicans are exploiting something that's, that's a non-issue, in, in my opinion. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I think I, I admire Nancy Pelosi. I think she's done a very good job of reining in a party that has a lot of divergent views and trying to keep her eye on the ball. Um, but I also think you may be right that the focus may shift from her to others. Yeah, I think by the way, I, I share <laughs> your respect for Nancy Pelosi. In fact, it usually gets me open to criticism, doesn't it, Dean, from time to time? Oh, yeah. Check your phone. You probably got it now. <laughs> oh, Every time I say something nice about Nancy Pelosi, someone gets mad. I like her, too. You know, she's got a tough job trying to keep this, you know, a very disparate party together you know with all these different factions people always feuding and gouging their eyes out anyway uh rita bosworth is her name uh one more time rita give folks the information they need to know if they want to get in touch with uh, your organization and they want to be dispatched to virginia louisiana mississippi to do this good work absolutely go to the internet and go to sisterdistrict.com or sisterdistrictproject.com either will work you click the little button that says volunteer all you have to do is give us your name and zip code and we will hook you up to the people who are doing this good work in your area all right very good sisterdistrict.com come on even i could figure that one out rita bosworth thank you so much for coming in i really appreciate it uh, taking the time to talk to us next up the immortal Andrea Ray. Like, get your pencils and paper now, folks. She's going to take the deep dive on taxes, all right? Just paid her taxes April 15th. Rita Bosworth just paid her taxes. Bernie Sanders just paid his Dr. D, did you pay your taxes? Let's move on. <laughs> I paid my taxes. All right, Andy, we'll do some tax talk with the great Andrea Ray when we return. Hey there, producer Dennis here. Thanks for finding and listening to the brand new Ben Jarofsky Show. All right, so here's how this works. The Ben Jarofsky Show live streams on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m. Once the show is over, you can listen to the replay on our YouTube channel, or we throw it online for you to download by 4 p.m. Where can you download the Ben Jarofsky Show, you may be asking yourself? Well, you may be asking yourself a fantastic question. You can find previous Ben Jarofsky shows and guest interviews through several outlets. The Chicago Sun-Times Online, chicago.suntimes.com the Chicago Reader Online, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, pick one. Just search for The Ben Jarovsky Show. J-O-R-A. V as in victory, S-K-Y. So, let's recap. Tuesday through Friday, one until... 
live streamed on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel and downloadable by four at chicago.suntimes.com, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts. Yes, the Ben Jarofsky Show is back. We're live and downloaded. Tell your friends and enjoy the rest of the show. Hey there, producer Dennis here. Hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show for Tuesday, April 16th is just moments away. But before we get into hour number two, we would like to thank the following unions for helping bring back the Ben Jarofsky show. First up, it's the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, and the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. Thank you once again to those unions for jumping on board with us and bringing the Ben Jarofsky show back. And of course, today's program is brought to you by our dear friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show starts now. I got to find my music. Hold on. All right, we'll just play this and see what happens. We're going to use this one. It is Tuesday, April 16th, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times, Chicago Reader Studios on Racine Avenue, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. In this hour of the program, we welcome, dare I say, property tax genius, Andrea Rayla, and it's the return of our good friend, El Dolfo El Mondragon, election lawyer. And now your host, not an election lawyer. Or a property tax expert. Hey, sort of, somewhat. Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Yes, indeed. Everybody knows. Big fan of Andrea Rayla. Boy, did I take heat. When I uh, voted for her the last time around, she ran, of course, go back in the time capsule. It was 2018. She was in a three-way race. Uh, Fritz Kagey was the victor. Uh, Joe Berrios, who was the incumbent. Uh, and uh, Fritz Kagey brought in every election lawyer he knew uh, to keep her off the ballot. Um, and they successfully knocked her off for like about two weeks, I want to say. In my humble opinion... That's what cost her the election. She'd be the Cook County Assessor right now. But they knocked her off the ballot for those two weeks, and I think that cost her election. I think you had two men running against one woman, and that would have been enough for Andrea Rayla to win the primary, but she was not victorious. Uh, life goes on, and uh, she's still a uh, expert on property taxes, still has a business that helps people get uh, apply for property tax breaks. And by the way, she brought in another really good friend of this show, the great Doris Davenport. Folks, I just... I just got to say, Doris looks like Donna Summers today, all right? She's got some kind of disco outfit. And uh, Andrea Doris just want me to announce that tonight uh, at uh, 5.30 at the Breakers, the Edgewater Historical Society celebrates the 60s at the Breakers. Uh, Andrea is dressed very conventionally now, but I guess before after the show, she's going to put on her hippie suit and look like a 60s hippie. And she'll go with Doris, who looks like, like I said, Donna Summers. More of a 70s look going on over there uh, for tonight's thing at the Breakers. Anyway, before we bring Andrea on, you got an update for me, young man? Absolutely, I do. Everyone, a few things to mention here. First off, 
Listeners, did you know we have bonus material? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. We have no show on Saturday, Sunday, or Monday, but every week we offer up brand new bonus Ben Jarofsky interviews for you to download until we get back. Saturday, April 13th, Benny J took the deep dive with ace attorney Jim Coogan. We recorded it and uploaded it. It's all things Donald Trump's legal woes. Well, so you know it's a long interview. He's <laughs> got a lot of legal woes. It's the Trump Files, Volume 1 with Jim Coogan. Ben, give those uh, who haven't heard a little preview. Oh, man, come on. Jim Coogan knows his stuff. He took us all the way. Mueller, Trump's tax. Probably talked about uh, income taxes with Donald Trump. Uh, Will they force him uh, to release it and all the tactics that Trump's trying to use to redact information on the Mueller report, which is coming out this Thursday, by the way. And uh, they're going to pull a stunt, uh, a Cook County stunt, a Chicago stunt. They're going to redact all the good stuff uh, that you want to see. So we talked about all of Donald Trump's uh, problems. And we had that interesting little uh, excursion into how uh, Congressman Devin Nunes uh, is uh, trying to use libel lawsuits uh, to keep people from criticizing him. So uh, interesting uh, conversations with the great attorney, Jim Coogan. It's the Trump Files, Volume 1 with Ace Attorney Jim Coogan. Go download it. Our next Benny J. Bonus interview is all about this guy. The top 1% <laughs> than the bottom 92%. Okay, 49% 92, of all the income goes to the <laughs> The top one percent. Okay. Yeah, it's about that guy. It's our Bernie Sanders Our Revolution special with Richard Rodriguez and the one and only wild man Drew Duzingas. <laughs> Duzingas is a character. Trying to talk it? listeners into downloading well, that. Well, no, download that one because uh, they're on the ground already in Illinois. The Our Revolution crowd, the Bernie Sanders people are already are organizing. So uh, it's interesting to see. They're very local uh, in their strategy. And they're talking about efforts in the Joliet area uh, to build the infrastructure for Bernie's 2020 run. So uh, a lot of national politics united with local politics. Both of these bonus interviews can be found uh, where all of your Ben Jarofsky shows can be found, at least the ones from after he got fired. (laughs) ChicagoReader.com and Chicago.SunTimes.com. Just just look for the Ben Jarofsky show. Uh, it's It's on the top of both pages. We'll be playing the rest of the audio from Bernie's Town Hall on Fox News of all places before we get out of here but don't uh, don't miss it. It's going to be a blast. Before we get to Andrea Rayla here our next caption contest will hopefully be happening soon. We've been waiting to hit 1,200 likes on the Ben Jarofsky Show Facebook page. I'm looking at the page right now and right now on the Ben Jarofsky Show Facebook page we are at 1,170 <laughs> Three. Oh man, one thousand one hundred seventy-three. Did I likes. tell you we had forty-five hundred before they blew it up? Yeah. Did I tell you that one? Oh, oh it's okay. maybe since yeah. you got fired. All right. So one thousand one hundred seventy-three likes. <laughs> if you've yet to like the Ben Jarofsky show on Facebook and you're listening right now, you know who you are. I'm talking to you. Head over to the page at Benny J Show. B E N N Y. The letter J Show. Ben, spell that last name. J. O-R-A-V, as in victory, as my beloved Bulls did not do, S-K-Y. So you have no excuse. Find us on Facebook. Like the page. When we hit 1,200 likes, we'll have our next caption contest. It'll be a Donald Trump caption contest. Yes, and as always, we'll send frozen steaks to the winner. All right. Never do that. Uh, Andrea Rayla, welcome to our new show. How about this, huh? Yeah, it's great. Great. Yeah, it's, like the little, uh, you know. Little, uh, yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. We You're survived. Moved, you've moved on up. Yeah, that's what everybody says, just like the Jeffersons. All right, Andrea Right by Rayla. the bathrooms. Yes, right. <laughs> It's conveniently located. Um, Andrea Rayla, last time you were on the show, uh, you were battling uh, to get stay on the ballot. I talked about that earlier. Uh, you 
ultimately prevailed, got on the ballot, uh, but I think they knocked you off long enough to defeat you in that election. Um, so our, it's been a year since then. Uh, Fritz Kagey's been in office since, what, January, I want to say, he was sworn, or maybe December, I can't. Uh, how do you, what kind of job do you think he's doing so far, Cook County uh, Assessor? Well, right now he's uh, well past his 100 days, and he's put out his reforms, and uh, they're very ambitious. Um, I think that people are a little taken back by the huge increases in reassessments in Evanston, in Norwood Park, especially with businesses, small mom-and-pop businesses, businesses that are not your Class A buildings in the loop, um, who've received over 150 to 175 percent increases. We're talking about six units, 12 unit, you know, multi-unit family homes, barbershops, restaurants, uh, the mom and pop stuff, Mm -hmm. and they got clobbered. Now, he says it's because of the new formula, that the businesses have not been paying their fair share, and he stands by those numbers. They're pretty tough to swallow. Being in this arena for 35 years and being on the Cook County Board of Tax Appeals as a case analyst, I know when a case needs to get relief. And we don't submit in any case that doesn't need relief. So we're seeing commercial business owners who have received these kind of increases turning over 40 to to 30% of their rental income to pay those property mm-hmm. tax increases. That's not good. Now, I know his staff will say, and he, he has said, well, it's the rates. We don't co- control the rates. We just control the market values. But you've got to be sensitive about those rates. All right, let me just explain uh, to people who may not own property that are listening. Don't leave. This affects you. This affects you people. Pay attention. In Cook County, Generally, the way you uh, pay for government is through a property tax. And that way that property tax is fixed is there is a tax rate that's pretty much universal to everyone. Let's just say it's 10%. For the sake of making this simple, Andrea, let's say it's a 10% tax rate. That's multiplied by the value of your property. If your property is worth $100 and the tax rate is 10%, you pay $10 in property taxes. And it gets split up between the schools and the parks and the county, okay? That's how we fund government. The entity, the body that determines how much your property is worth is the assessor's office. That's his Fritz Kagey character. They got elected last uh, last year. He's the one who determines if your property is worth $100 or, let's say, $200. Andrea, you're a property tax expert and a mathematical wizard. If your property is re- uh, valued at $200 and the rate is 10%, how much do you pay? You can pay $20. Twi- but the thing, but the, but the, the issue is, I'm. we're not arguing that his market values are pretty close to what they should be, but he's not factoring in high tax rates that these levies that all of these agencies need to, to pay for the schools and the you know road construction and pensions. He's not factoring that in as a devaluation of that property. And he's, he's also being very strident about cap rates. I don't want to you know get too much into that, but it, it all, you know, when you value a property, mm-hmm. a commercial property, it's either a value A, perfect, you know, it's the, you know, Willis Tower. B, you know, it's uh, McDonald's. Or C, it's uh, a mom and pop store. Mm-hmm. He has set values all on these properties as if they're class A. And he's established all of the capitalization rates 
that are the lowest, which means they're all Class A's. When Houlihan was there. James he, Houlihan, the, the county assessor, uh, by three times before, because Berrios was in between uh, Kagi and Houlihan. Go ahead. So Houlihan was a newcomer. He, mm-hmm. he came in, and he established capitalization rates and rents and expense ratios, and they are much, much radically different than Kagi's. So if you put the two side by side, that's the range you need to view commercial properties in Cook County. But All he right, only no. gives the highest range, and it's causing a lot of you know, problems with you know practitioners who are not seeing. What Kagi would argue if he was here, I presume, what he argued when he was running for office is that uh, the structure was unfair uh, to homeowners. The structure was unfair uh, to uh, particularly uh, poor neighborhoods, black areas, Hispanic areas. And so the time has come to make adjustments in the valuation of property so that we don't have this unfair reliance on people who can at least afford to pay it. Uh, isn't that what he's doing with his he, changes? He's lo- if, he, if you're only going to look at homes and you know multi-unit apartment buildings, that's true. There has been a disparity the smaller or the lower value the home on in black and brown communities, the higher the taxes. Mm-hmm. They'll pay like eight to five percent of their entire market value in property taxes. And you get into white neighborhoods and they'll pay one or one and a half mm-hmm. and two percent. So that disparity is there and he has to fix it amongst that kind of property. But then you have commercial property owners. They're assessed at twenty five percent of their market value. Residential homeowners are at 10% of their market value. So they're two different animals. Mm-hmm. So what he was saying with the commercial is that they are they have not been taxed fairly as far as what their f- true fair market values are. And um, we're seeing huge increases and in a shift in that. And we're doing great downtown. We've got leases out there. It's, it's rolling. Mm-hmm. We've got a real robust rental market in in the loop but once you start putting those kind of property tax increases which will come in 2021 it's going to be a real all problem. right and when you say just again i'm trying to think of people out there who may be uh, new to this game when you say they're assessed at 25 percent for commercial and 10 percent for residential what that means folks uh is if they if they assess your value of a home at a hundred dollars uh, you only pay to, on the 25 percent of it look they make it as confusing as they freaking can, all right? So did you just shut up and send your money, and that's the old game of property taxes. So in other words, to go back to it, if they say your your house is worth $100, uh, you effectively will pay it the taxes on $25. Is that correct? Yeah, I, I, I mean, if, they if say, your business is worth Yeah, right. Yeah. If, mm-hmm. your, if your business is $100, then you're going to pay $0.25 cents to property taxes. It's 25%. So the, the, the real issue here is how do you get to have an equitable tax base and it's getting rid of the classification system and assessing everybody uniformly like they do in all 101 counties Mm -hmm. outside of cook everything's assessed at 33 and a third and that people understand that but when you have classifications only new york and chicago has these kind of crazy classification schemes and it sets businesses against homeowners and in new york it sets you know, tenants against um, uh, 
office buildings and then against skyscrapers. It's it's crazy. All right, so you're talking about some of the early assessment notices that have hit Evanston, for instance, and we do things. Not all the assessments hit all areas of Cookit. Just to make it a little more confusing, not everybody gets their assessment reassessment at the same time. They divide it. Like, what is I forget it, the city, the, the north suburbs, the south suburbs. Good God, it's like cramming for a old history test back in junior high. All right. Uh, and so Evanston just got their notices. So you're talking about the outcry coming from businesses. What about homeowners? Homeowners in Evanston are really there. There's a big outcry there. Uh, there was only one area that actually got decreases. In the new Trier area, Winnetka, Kenilworth, uh, Glencoe, mm-hmm. they did not go up substantially. We're talking about the million dollar to $14 million homes because bingo, guess what? The market is going down on those high priced homes. They're not selling like that. And his formula picked that up. And he, there were kinder, gentler reassessment notices in Winnetka, Glencoe, Kenilworth, and along that whole Isn't that area. funny? I did. <laughs> Perform somehow or other helps Kenilworth. How did that happen? That's why, folks, I say never, ever, ever use the word reform in in conjunction with anything that happens in Cook County or the state of Illinois. But what we're seeing is we're seeing small, modest homes that are 1,600 square feet that had been market valued at approximately 300,000 jump up to 600,000. Small homes that are like 2,000 square feet jump from 500,000 in market value to 800,000 mm-hmm. in Evanston. So what people are going to do, uh, Andrea Rayla, they're going to immediately go out and hire someone like yourself or your firm or Richard Shapiro. I'm just thinking of all the different uh, people who handle this business to appeal. So what they do is this is part of the game, everybody. All you millennials out there who rent, this is going on and this affects how much the cost of living in the city of Chicago. Pay attention, D. Uh, they go out and they hire a, a tax planner, uh, a lawyer uh, to go and appeal and they 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 try to uh, make a case that their property's been overassessed and uh, ask Keiki to lower it. What and uh, what's been the record of Keiki so far in some of these cases? Is it still uh, too early to tell? No, it's it, no results are out on these new reassessments, and they are not favorable to homeowners that got these 30, 40, 50 percent increases. He's holding the line. He's holding those market values. He's not looking much at appraisals. Even it's really tough, and on commercial properties that have gone up mm-hmm. 40, 50, 60%, no changes. No changes on income approach, no changes on appraisals. This is a scary thing. I mean, if he's going to hold the line, he's going to push all of those taxpayers to the next agency, the Cook County Board of Review, and they're going to be overwhelmed. But yes, there are people out there that will help you f- reduce your real estate taxes. Many of them will charge you $75 or $150 just to file. Mm-hmm. You have to be very careful. You have to have a case. And if you have a case, any good person out there will not charge any contingent, will not charge any flat rate fee, $125, and you might end up saving $75. In this arena, I sent you this. This is a photograph <laughs> of all the cases. Yeah. And there are, there, there are three sheets of paper. <laughs> These are all the people yeah. that called us when Chicago land got reassessed, all uh-huh. of them, and we could not take their case because 
we, we didn't have an appraisal to argue their market value, and their uh-huh. lack of uniformity wasn't there. So all of these people were turned away. But another firm might have taken them if you paid them $75 fee. Yeah. So we don't clog up the system with cases that, you know, but this just, this is. Well, here's the deal. Here's Andrea, here's the deal. I've said this, I came to this conclusion many years ago uh, when I came face to face with rising uh, income uh, property tax uh, that was in like 2001, or I forget when it was, when I would, the world read, I, I found my inner Republican screaming out, Andrea, when I got a huge tax hike. If you don't appeal, you're a sucker. And the, the, the system is set up between winners and losers. And if you appeal, you have a chance to get your property taxes lowered. And folks, you got to understand this. If you successfully appeal, all you've done is shuffle the burden of paying property taxes over to someone who either didn't appeal the property tax assessment that the Kagey's office determined for them or appealed and lost. It's a game of winners and losers. Donald John Trump, the owner of Trump Tower, president of the United States, brought in Ed Burke. We talked about Ed Burke a little while to handle his property tax appeal, got his assessment lowered. And as a result, Donald Trump, Donald Trump played less on his Trump Tower uh, in downtown Chicago. And Ben and Dennis and Doris and Miles paid more on their property taxes. It's a game of winners and losers, Andrea. And that won't change with Fritz Kage. We still have this crazy system. It, it, it's unfortunate, but we appeal about 23% of our assessment base. In other counties and, and other states, the right number is around 5%. So we have a real problem. These are people who are desperately needing property tax relief, and we don't have the evidence to go forward and file on them. And we have to change where we find our money. This is the most regressive system that there is. Mm-hmm. And we need to look forward to an income, progressive income tax system, and curb and cut property taxes by controlling tax rates. That's a possibility. Yeah. Capping tax rates. And and Kagi needs to be on the bandwagon to do that. He is understaffed. He is underfunded. He can't do all of the reforms that he wants to do. Do you know we don't even have property record cards for half the people on their homes? Yeah. Well, I, he... And I'll add one other thing to this, and this is my pet issue. Yes, uh, it is very regressive for uh, Cook County, for the city of Chicago, to be uh, so dependent on its property taxes to fund its schools. That's the system we have in the state of Illinois uh, until we get a progressive income tax, as you're saying, and have the state uh, pick up more of the burden. That's just going to continue. But how unbelievable that we have like these TIF programs, these two mega TIF deals. What they're going to do, Andrea, they're going to take land on the north side of Chicago and north and else on the Chicago River, and they're essentially making it tax exempt so that all the TIF dollars go to fund the project for the developer. They will not contribute any money to the general coffers. None of the new the, 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 the increased revenue will be uh, added to those coffers. So as a result, if you take property off the tax rolls, what happens? Somebody else, some other sucker has to pick up the burden. Now, how come, uh, Andrea Raylan, nobody talks about this except for some misfits like me? How come no people in power? Where was Fritz Kage, uh, uh to speak out at the county level to talk about the impact on taxpayers when you take valuable property, valuable real estate? Where, where were any of our elected officials? Cook County Board President Tony Preckwinkle missing in action when it came before the Joint Review Board. This is... Part of the reason I get so frustrated about TIFs, Andrew Rell, is because I know it's affecting the property taxes I pay. Bottom line, absolutely. And then there's also these, this little clever gizmo called the special service area taxation, where you can, your alderman will get a, uh, an ability to 
tax additional monies on their business strips, and uh, they there's no oversight on that budget. So that needs to be watched too. But I agree. You know, when I ran for assessor, and I was right here in the Sun-Times building talking with Kagi and the, and the editorial board, I said, we need to be down in Springfield. I'd use this office as a bullpit to say, look, we need to change the structure of this income tax and the property tax system. We need to do that. We need to do this. And I, I did five different public acts mm-hmm. in my last 20 years, property tax reforms. And I was told by the, you know, well, we don't really need to be in Springfield. This is a local problem. Well, Kagi today is in Springfield as we speak. He's in front of the uh, House Revenue Committee, and he's arguing for a particular bill. You have to use the legislature to get things turned around, like this te- the TIF. I mean, that has to be completely reformed. And if we don't get this through legislation, it's going to be... Well, the, the, the problem is with the TIFs, before we go to the legislation, the people, uh, the leaders in our county and our uh, city pretend that TIFs have no impact on the property taxes we pay, which is utterly absurd since they are property taxes and they are effectively citywide uh, tax hikes. So, but they pretend, you did not hear a discussion, pros and cons of Lincoln Yards or the 78, these two tremendous deals that went these mega deals that went through Andrew Rayleigh. You never heard anybody stand up and go, well, what's this going to do with the property tax rate? That question was not asked, much less answered uh, during this last debate. So you're right. They have their heads in the sand or looking the other way uh, when they when, when they create these TIF districts with the pretense that it doesn't affect the income. The special service tax. dishes, the, the districts are SSAs. There was one that was only repealed in its lifetime. It's been going on for 40 years. And it was SSA 45. They repealed it after they did the wrong calculations, and those people sent in a million dollars in property taxes that were extra. It was repealed, and then they were to get all of that money back. You couldn't get all the money back. It it actually, if you were in certain TIF districts, they took that refund and they gave it to the TIF district. All right, let me just say this, and I'm gonna just say this and move on. If if, uh, Brian Hopkins, Alderman of the Second Ward, uh, believe so much in Lincoln Yards, the development that he uh, championed, uh, he should fund it with a special service uh, tax on his constituents in the second ward, leave the rest of the city out of it. Let's see how far that advances in the second ward, right? Right. Just tax the locals. You want a Lincoln Yard so bad? Slap a Let, special service yeah, tax on, on you. your particular tax bill. By the way, Adolfo Mondragon has entered the building. Adolfo Mondragon has entered the building. I love it when my guests come on time. All right, uh, Andrea Arela, uh, let's get uh, let's get focused now. HB 2217, you sent me this house. Man, I usually I'm sending the guests homework assignments. Andrea Arela's like, read this, read that. I'm like, yeah, I ain't got time to read all that. <laughs> Doris Davenport actually sent it to me. Anyway, uh, HB 2217, what's that all about? It is a new requirement mm-hmm. that uh, you know assessor Kagi would like to implement in Cook County it would give income and rental data reporting mm-hmm. by the actual property owner if the owner of the property had a market value of 400,000 so you're talking about mom and pop still mm-hmm. and all the way up to a million if it was a class 211 like a six unit um, or mixed use property and they would every single year type in and fill out a 15-page sheet report that talked about how much income they get and their expenses and their vacancy Mm -hmm. rates and so forth. And it would be required every single year at a particular time, even if you did not want to file a tax appeal there, Mm -hmm. and they would be required to do it. And the problem is, is that if you don't do it, 
He wants to penalize the person by a fee. Mm-hmm. So if you don't do it, you're slapped with a $500 fee, and it goes on your property tax bill. Every year, annual fee? Every mm-hmm. year. And sometimes it's as high as $700 or $1,000 or $2,000, depending on the assessment. Uh, uh, All right. What's the argument for having this requirement? It's, it's a requirement that is done in New York City and in, in, a, in a few other counties. Yeah. And what it does is it gives the assessor advanced data so that he can figure out capitalization rates and things of that nature, vacancy, expense ratios, and so forth. It, it's, it's an okay system, but it's hard to implement when you have you, you, when you have a system like Cook County that they don't even have property record cards for f- 50% of the homeowners and mm-hmm. 50% of the businesses. They don't even have property record cards for them. Well, so they're wanting you to input this, and if you don't, you'll be penalized, and you won't be allowed to file a tax appeal at the assessor's office. But when you file at the assessor's office, you give them three years income. Yeah, history. I was going to say, this is information that any uh, property owner would have to file anyway if he or she uh, filed the appeal yeah. anyway. They would so have this to is the information that, the, like, for instance, Donald Trump's lawyers, Ed Burke, uh, filed this information when they when Ed right. Burke. By the way, one more time, when Ed Burke got that reduction for Donald Trump, everybody else had to pay more in property taxes. Just had to remind you of that. Yeah. I remember everybody that, right? Right. The less Trump pays... The more the rest of us pay. Right, right. Okay. And, but, you know, it, in theory, you know, it, it's good. You, you're get, getting a lot of this data from people to come up with your, your values. But right now he's getting data from MLS or CoStars, other, other entities. And that data is really for first-class rated properties. All right, Andrew Rail is in the studio with me. We're talking property taxes. Dr. D says, I got to take a break. I got Adolfo Mondragon uh, in the studio. Maybe I can convince uh, Andrea to stick around uh, for as we broaden our political conversation. We'll be right back after this. Hey there, producer Dennis here. Thanks for finding and listening to the brand new Ben Jarofsky show. All right, so here's how this works. The Ben Jarofsky Show live streams on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m. Once the show is over, you can listen to the replay on our YouTube channel, or we throw it online for you to download by 4 p.m. Where can you download the Ben Jarofsky Show, you may be asking yourself? Well, you may be asking yourself a fantastic question. You can find previous Ben Jarofsky Shows and guest interviews through several outlets. The Chicago Sun-Times online, chicago.suntimes.com. The Chicago Reader online, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, pick one. Just search for The Ben Jarovsky Show. J-O-R-A, V as in victory, S-K-Y. So, let's recap. Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m., live streamed on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel and downloadable by 4 at chicago.suntimes.com, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast. Yes, the Ben Jarofsky Show is back. We're live and downloaded. Tell your friends and enjoy the rest of the show. Did you know that 40% of the people in Illinois opt to be cremated? Well, it's true. And Chicagoland Cremation Options honors their wishes by providing cremation services directly to the general public. 
Chicagoland Cremation Options provides an affordable, ethical, and easy cremation arrangement, whether in person or online. Save thousands and streamline the process by going directly to Chicagoland Cremation Options. It's a family-owned business operated by my good friend, Douglas Klein. Here's how you reach them. Chicagoland Cremation Options.com. One more time. Chicago Land Cremation Options.com. Hey, welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Take it away, Benny J. All right, we'll do Doris Davenport in the studio with Andrea Rayla and Dolfo Mondragon. Doris is playing a back, a back in the back room kind of role today, but uh, my God, in the old show, Double D would come on all the time. We would talk it up. Love Doris Davenport and bring her back as a guest here. We're going to cut a deal and bring her back as a guest. Uh, meanwhile, we have uh, Andrea Rayla. I've twisted her arm. She's agreed to stay because people don't know that she's a property tax expert, but she's also of sort of the progressive uh, persuasion, big-time supporter of uh, liberal lefty politicians going way back. Uh, Studs Turkle was one of her clients. Uh, from What did Studs call you? What did he say? You're like the property tax lawyer for the people or something? Yeah. Prime Minister. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Prime Minister. <laughs> Studs had a way with words. And, of course, uh, Dolfo Mondragon is in the studio. I'll drag on. Probably enjoy the Southwest Side. Probably enjoy Curie High School. Man, he's going to update us on all the sleazy goings on of Southwest Side politicians. <laughs> he's wearing his Alexander Ocasio-Cortez T-shirt. I love AOC. I'm not going to hide that, all right? I love there AOC. Uh, but before we take the deep dive what you, with uh, Dolfo, what you got for me, D? He loves Pelosi. He loves AOC. He loves them all, <laughs> all right? Uh, real quick before we continue here, let's read what the live stream chat room is saying, huh? This is starting to be one of my favorite segments here. All right, so uh, we have at 104, uh, Mitchie Based God. Mitchie Based God becoming a huge fan of the live stream. Uh, Mitchie Based God says, Frickin' Frack. <laughs> you said something about Frickin' Frack earlier. I did. I forget, who, I forget uh, what I said about Frickin' Frack. Let's see here. Uh, we got uh, Bruce. Bruce says, I'm surprised Trump didn't ask if the Hunchback was okay. Hunchback of Notre Dame. There. That's actually pretty good. Bruce Bruce has got a million. I'm catching Zanies this weekend. <laughs> All right. Oh, Pat Rod. Pat Rod weighs in. This was at 125. Yeah. So during what else is news? He says, good. Legal weed. Now. <laughs> I'm with him on that one. Uh, Pat Rod's fiending. So, hey, Pat Rod's buddies. Help him out. All right. We got, uh, let's see here. Kyle. Kyle weighed in at 142. Says, Wisconsin is the same way. Dems won 60% of the vote, but only control 30% of the state legislation. Oh, that's when we were talking to Rita Bosworth, uh, sisterdistrict.com. And folks, if you want to get involved with her efforts, uh, their efforts, in particularly in Virginia, she was talking about that, where Dems won, I think they won uh, like 10% more of the legislative vote in the legislative races, but because of redistricting, they're still the minority party uh, in the House of Representatives. They call it the House of Delegates there. So, uh, yeah, that's that, those games we put. Hey, before we have fair maps in Illinois... Before the Democrats give up their advantage in Illinois, let's see the Republicans uh, do it in Virginia, Wisconsin, North Carolina. What this unilateral disarmament, huh? Didn't, didn't Reagan warn us against that, Adolfo? Yeah. Now our host Ben Jarofsky has a, a bit of an ongoing thing with uh, one of our listeners behind the scenes. Babbers. Oh, Babbers. Babbers way in. Yeah, Bab weighed in. Now okay. you see uh, Ben mentions that he's a big fan of Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> and Bab always responds yeah. and kind of gives him crap about that. Isn't that right? 
like that. Yeah, that's usually how it goes. Well, it keeps going. <laughs> All right, let's uh, see here. We, earlier we were talking about Marie Newman, how she announced that she's going to be running again in the 3rd Congressional mm-hmm. District race yeah. against Lipinski. Oh, wow. And uh, Bab says, hey, uh, Ben, <laughs> your girl Pelosi endorsed yeah. Lipinski yeah. because she's a progressive in Year of the Woman. <laughs> yeah, you got me there, Babs. Yeah, I cannot argue that point. Babs got me there. Oh, and finally, our friend uh, Left Wing Limbaugh. <laughs> left Wing Limbaugh just uh, uh, just said uh, posted here. It says, read my comment. <laughs> okay. That's the, I read it. All right. Love, love it when Left Wing Limbaugh weighs in. Yeah. in. Thanks, uh, Left Wing Limbaugh. Uh, feel free to weigh in. Uh, just join the Ben Jarofsky Show live chat. Join All us. Right. Talk. All right. Very good. Adolfo Mandragon, our expert, uh, political expert from the Southwest side. He worked at one point for pretty much all the people down there. Uh, Adolfo, I got to ask you. I got to force you. Give, take a stand on this one. Yes, you have an exa- Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez T-shirt on. Uh, what's your thoughts about Nancy Pelosi? Um, I guess overall that she's a she's a great um, leader of the House, but. Um, I think that she's still stuck in in certain aspects, still stuck in the old way of that middle of the road, middle, leaning to the right, Clintonite kind of thinking. That I think, if uh, it, it, you know, I think it's already been, uh, it, it's it's something from the past. I mm. think that we, as Democrats, need to move on. And those were different times and different circumstances, and it didn't work. And I think that we should be leaning towards the left. And I think that. She's a little slow to move to the left. But right. overall, I mean, it's a game of power, and she plays it well. Yes, very well put. It's a game of power, and she plays it. God, i got to write that down. That's, That's good. It's a game of power, and she plays it well. Absolutely. She knows how to play the game of power. Uh, we'll be broadening the conversation, talk some Bernie talks, on some Dem talk. Uh, Andrew Rayleigh will stick around uh, when, when uh, after the break. But let's talk, uh, Adolfo, a little bit about the sleazy going on in the southwest side. This has become sort of an area of, of favorite <laughs> so. conversation. Uh, whenever you're on the show. Uh, again, Adolfo is from the Southwest side, born and raised on the Southwest side of the city of Chicago. Uh, went to Curie High School on the Southwest side, yeah, ran for right. office on the Southwest side, uh, and uh, at one point worked briefly for Ed Burke in the 14th Even Ward. that, right? Even yeah, then, yeah. For a few months. Uh, and, and I love the, in those days, I would sometimes occasionally drop him off at Burke's office, <laughs> and I would have to hide because he didn't want to be seen in the car with me. Uh, I didn't want to be seen there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, we We've talked about Ed Burke's uh, misfortunes already. He's already under indictment, and something right. just emerged uh, last week. Talk right. about what so the latest. So I guess this doesn't, aff- well, it affects him, but it's not directly. Um, uh, there's been an indictment that comes down against the Northside businessman by, uh, I don't even know how to pronounce it, C-U-I? Yeah, Q-Qui? Qui, I Qui, guess, yeah. Yeah, who's also an attorney. And that's also interesting to, uh, because not only could this affect uh, you know his business, but he'll probably lose his law license if he gets convicted, etc. Um, and he does immigration of all things, not any business. Talk about uh, Attorney Qui. Attorney Qui, yeah. mm-hmm. right, uh, who has been charged by the feds with um, bribing a, uh, a government official and uh, a but couple of similar accounts. They didn't name specifically Burke, but why right, did they but do they it did that every, way? But they did everything but, right? So I think it said something like Alderman whatever acts or, or, or whatever, but then they said of the 14th Ward and all so these why don't things. they name his name? I don't understand the, the, the peculiar ways of federal prosecutors. Right. So, um, you know, it it is because they did everything but in this case, which I think was just one of those types of jabs at Burke. I think basically it's kind of the writing telling him, like, you know, at this point, we don't 
we don't care. Um, I don't know what the formal reason is. I don't know if it's based on a local rule or something or if it's just the practice. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, the idea is that you don't want to implicate or put somebody in bad light, I would imagine. Even though everybody knows who you're talking about. Because well, but the thing is, like, so the tort of bad light is something, it's not necessarily saying uh, something false about them, but it's uh, putting them in circumstances where they could be perceived. Like, they're birds of a feather that flock together, for example, mm -hmm. right? So I would imagine that's the, that's the lining behind if it's a formal rule or if it's a practice. All right. Uh, anyway, so uh, it, the, I was talking to Andrea about uh, the TIF program. One of the, 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 the issues raised in this indictment is that Kui had gone, I guess, to Burke for help. Follow me on this, folks. Right. On a TIF district, a TIF project on the northwest side of Chicago. Burke is from the southwest side of Chicago. <laughs> Shows you how sleazy this program is where you go to Burke for help. It's, it's supposed to be locally controlled. John Arena's 45th Ward is where the TIF was, but they went to Burke, I guess, to uh, grease the wheels a little bit. Right. But, you know, with all of the stuff that's coming to light in the last year or so, I guess it makes sense because if you recall also, long, uh, a couple months before even the indictment against Burke or the charges against Burke came down, um, we were receiving stories about um, Burke meddling in uh, uh, the payments, the, the, the timing of payments for certain vendors at the, at the airport, I think it was, mm -hmm. if I remember correctly. Yes. Uh, so people were going to him to take care of uh, those types of problems and um, and of course I think uh, WTTW had reports about how uh, other older men and women would go to him uh, to draw money from his political campaign funds uh, to help them pay for uh, staff mm -hmm. because their budgets through the city were limited and so if you wanted to um, have that extra help uh, and do it legally, I guess you'd go to Burke and he'd do you this favor by like actually, you know, subsidizing your staff. Mm -hmm. And so uh, when you look at the scheme of all things, I think it's it's just a masterful way of controlling people, right? Because we've always said, well, why why are people so afraid of Burke? Why do they allow him to do things? You, I think last week we're talking about why didn't Rahm Emanuel from the outset just, uh, you know, take him out. And I think this is part of it because he's so ingrained and has his finger on so many different aspects of the local government that it's very hard to untie him from it. Well, let me, uh, okay, this moving into one of my favorite topics, Adolfo. Uh, and that has to do with the, sort of the peculiar um, aversion that Chicago politicians have to tough fights. I talked about this earlier. There's a basketball player for the Los Angeles Clippers from the west side of Chicago. Marshall High School's name is Patrick Beverly, and uh, he is the classic underdog. He's not a great jumper. He's not a great shooter. He's not fast, but he's tough, and he never backs down from a challenge, and he's fearless, okay? Right. And the other day, he got into a skirmish with uh, Kevin Durant, who's a superstar. And when when the after the, the game, Kevin Durant said, I respect Patrick Beverly because he's a junkyard dog from Chicago, right. and that's how they are. And I'm like, why can't our politicians play the game of politics the way Patrick Beverly from the west side of Chicago plays basketball? Why, every time a politician gets elected <laughs> to a position of power, do they run away from the oh, Kevin Durant? They kowtow right away, yeah. immediately. I mean, we've seen this before. I mean, you and I uh, know uh, one of my favorite um, little pet peeves is, you know, uh, uh, 
you know, talking about Pawar, about how quickly he... Amaya Pawar. Amaya Pawar, right. How he quickly... <laughs> Don't get him going How he that. quickly <laughs> kowtowed within yeah. like a week of winning the first time he won yeah, his automatic seat, yeah. uh, you know, uh, to Rahm Emanuel. But uh, also uh, to note, when Rahm Emanuel, I think you've said this on the show before, when Rahm Emanuel came in and he didn't... Uh, one of your guests was saying last week that he didn't really have many strings attached to his win, right? I mean, he did, but he didn't like in the sense that the dailies do or whatever. Why didn't he just take out uh, Burke. Burke, yes. Burke. And in also light of the fact that Burke was the one who schemed to uh, knock Emmanuel off of the ballot, remember? Yes. And then only that was reversed at the Illinois Supreme Court once um, Mrs. Burke recused herself and there was enough votes to, you know, put. And it seems almost like the deal was cut there or something, you know, at that point that, um, you know, that there would be this, you know, kind of like, okay, um, Let's 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 do this dance or whatever. Yeah. But I always thought if yeah. you were this fierce guy like Emmanuel purports to be, why wouldn't you just take him out completely? Just not only take him away from the finance committee, but you know every little um, uh, special uh, power that he has, just to totally marginalize him at that point from because, the beginning, from the outset. Because Rob Emanuel is not Patrick Beverly. So if Patrick Beverly played defense the way Rob Emanuel runs the City, Patrick Beverly City. Mr. Durant, would you like a layup? Please have another layup. Yeah. I'll let you have an open shot. Yeah, I think that a lot of times, uh, you know, politicians like Rom, you know, they have a loud bark, but they, you know, they have no bite. Yeah. And I think that that's what they do. They intimidate people by screaming at them and, you know, these one on one on one conversations or trying to intimidate them. Like he tried to, didn't, what what he say? Uh, he denied it, but he he, he, he told <laughs> the the union that the Chicago Teachers Union leader uh, at the time, I forget her. Name, what Karen Lewis. It? Karen Lewis. He yeah. told her to fuck off or something yeah, like that, Yeah, he right? said that to her. In, uh, by the way, you could say that. It is a podcast. Uh, it's a little different to ours. The but then, but then, but then, but then he denied it, right? And so, Well, no, he never did. Okay, there were two issues. This is uh, my obsession. Uh, the things, the nasty things Rom said to Karen Lewis. When, remember this, folks. Remember this. this oh, he also talked about the kids. How he yes. didn't care about the lower 20% yeah, or something Exactly. Like that. Okay, remember this. Now, he plays hard defense. Remember Patrick Beverly. So Patrick Beverly would be like, if Patrick Beverly said, you know, I'm going to cover Ben closely, <laughs> all right? But I'm going to give Kevin Durant a pass. So the Kevin Durant that Rom gave a pass to was Ed Burke. He right. let Ed Burke stay in his finance chair. Right. The Ben that he covered hard was Karen Lewis. He sat her down within like right. a couple of weeks of being elected and said, look, this is the way it's going to be. Your teachers are going to work more, get less money, and they're going to like it. And you're going to keep those commies in line. And she said, well, you're just going to turn it into like daycare. And he goes, <laughs> what does it matter? 25% of the kids That's won't right. amount to anything anyway. What a now, horrible thing to say. Now, you know? she, she claims he said it. He denies that. Oh, I totally believe it. I mean, <laughs> <Okay>. why, you know. <laughs> to say it. He denies saying yeah, yeah. it. Yeah, But you don't believe him. Isn't that interesting? Right. I don't believe him either. Uh, but uh, anyway, that's the claim. Yeah, so, um, yeah, that's the issue here in the city of Chicago. We, we, we stay away from political fights, tough political fights. Right. It's everything about purporting, right? I mean, you know, like, they're all blowhards, right? So they, they talk a mean game, but um, that's why I always thought, you know, when I ran, I, I thought, you know, how would it, one of the things I thought for a second was like if I actually got elected uh, the last time I ran for alderman mm -hmm. I go and I had to sit down with Rom to talk about okay how much of this TIF money or whatever those secret meetings that they have in the back room yeah. or whatever you know what what would I do and I, and I'd be like 
And this dude got like all tough on me, you know. I'd just be like, well, let's just walk out the back door, dude, you know, <laughs> and settle in right now, no, <laughs> you know. Uh, don't fall and, going and, and, street and, on and, him. And, 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 you know, and, and, and he would wilt like right away, you know. So, yeah. and then I, there would be no need to do that because obviously you would call the bluff, right? Yeah. And that's basically my point. One of the other, before we uh, take a break and come back, uh, bring Andrea into the, the conversation, one of the other really discouraging things for me uh, over the last couple of weeks is to see the continued decline of uh, Alderman Rick Munoz, 22nd Ward Alderman, um, of course, was one of the leading progressives, uh, one of the right. leading independents, I got in quotes, one of the few who would occasionally vote against the mayor. Um, he's run into all sorts of personal problems, a very contentious uh, relationship with his wife. They're in and out of court all the time. And uh, he uh, was drinking and then he had he would, went to dry out and all of a sudden he emerged at the final meeting <laughs> yeah, uh, April to vote for the uh, Lincoln Yards TIF deal right. uh, really just throwing away his legacy right. I heard about that here on your show okay. you, know, you were talking about that yeah. that's really really interesting how he would just but I think it well we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it I guess right is uh, that it really encapsulates who Rick, I think, has been all along, right? Yeah, I mean, you love to talk. That, yeah. You love to talk about how he tells you about all of these deals that he cuts in the back, right, mm -hmm. and uh, all all the scheming that he does, um, and this just kind of sheds it to light. I tell you, I mean, you know, in, in my personal opinion, I met him many, many years ago, but you know, uh, you get a good sense growing up. You have to like. Uh, judge characters very quickly when you grow up in the hood and I remember shaking his hand saying like man this guy's a snake in the grass you know? <laughs> well that's Adolfo Mondragon and he did tell me that many years ago Ben you can't trust him uh, anyway Andre Rayla is still sitting here we're going to bring her back we're going to broaden the discussion we're going to talk about uh, the role Bernie plays the issue that Bernie raises the notion of can a millionaire represent uh, the poor uh, many of the issues that the Democrats will be facing as we head into 2020 so uh, Adolfo Mondragon Big Bernie supporter and Andrea Rayla in the studio. We'll bring them both back after this. Hey there, producer Dennis here. Thanks for finding and listening to the brand new Ben Jarofsky show. All right, so here's how this works. The Ben Jarofsky show live streams on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m. Once the show is over, you can listen to the replay on our YouTube channel, or we throw it online for you to download by 4 p.m. Where can you download the Ben Jarofsky show, you may be asking yourself? Well, you may be asking yourself a fantastic question. You can find previous Ben Jarofsky shows and guest interviews through several outlets. The Chicago Sun-Times online, chicago.suntimes.com. The Chicago Reader online, chicagoreader.com. And wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Pick one. Just search for the Ben Jarovsky Show. J O R A V is in victory. S K Y. So let's recap. Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m., live streamed on the Chicago Sun Times YouTube channel and downloadable by 4 at chicago.suntimes.com, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast. Yes, the Ben Jarofsky Show is back. We're live and downloaded. Tell your friends and enjoy the rest of the show. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. 
Mr. Jarofsky, take us home. All right, that's super cool music means we're coming near the end of the show. By the way, Andrea Raylan, which is not uh, preparing tax appeals, yeah. she plays the keyboard. That's Andrea Raylan oh, on the wow. keyboard. Right? Whoa! <laughs> nice. That girl can play the keyboard, all right? Oh, <laughs> that's what Studs Turkle <laughs> Studs Turkle said, man, she can play the keyboard. <laughs> Anyway, we got Andrew Rayless. She's ready to talk some uh, Bernie. Uh, we got Adolfo Mondragon. He loves Bernie, all right? Bernie. He was a Bernie guy way back when, before it was popular. Uh, so we're going to do a little Bernie talk here, talk taxes, Bernie, and uh, millionaire, and all that good stuff. Uh, you got an update for me, D, before we do this? Absolutely, I do here. Uh, some quick uh, updates before we roll out of here. Uh, Michelle Bachman. You know her, you love her. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> I bet there's a name from the past I hadn't thought about in a while. But yeah, Michelle Bachman, what is she up to? Michelle Bachman, the Christian conservative <laughs> out of Minnesota. Uh-huh. She was recently on a radio interview. And uh, during that interview, she said Trump, Donald Trump, President Donald Trump, is highly biblical. Oh, what do you guys think about that? Oh, what do I think about that? Here's the, quote, here's the quote from Bachman. Trump is highly biblical, and I would say to your listeners, we will in all likelihood never see a more godly biblical president oh again in our lifetime. He's biblical. So flood. we need to be not only praying for him, we need to support him, in my opinion, in every possible way that we can. Yeah, he's biblical like the locusts. Remember the locusts in the Bible? All right. Old Testament frogs. on you. Right. Frogs. That kind of biblical. So that was the only update. Uh, whenever you guys right, want, we can play those Bernie clips. All right, here we go. Now, um, uh, Andrea and Adolfo, we've been talking. We, I talked about this earlier in the show. Bernie was on Fox TV. Uh, he, I don't know if you heard it last night, but interesting stuff. He went on Fox an hour, uh, and uh, he didn't back down on anything. You got to give him credit. You know, he was, he was Patrick Beverly, okay? He wasn't like uh, Rob with Burke. All right, D, why don't you play the one? Uh, we, we got the... Um, the, the one about the taxes? Okay. Well, I don't have them necessarily in what the clip's saying. All right, so we'll okay. play the, the clips that we've yet okay, to play. Okay, play the, uh, play the clips, right. and then we'll get reactions. All Go right. ahead. So, yes, he even handled the questions about the tax returns, uh, revealing that he's a millionaire. Very well, Bernie did. And it's a good thing he was ready for it, because, boy, did these Fox News hosts sure bring it up like 8 million times. Let's go ahead and play one of 8 million here that they brought it up to the burn man. Taxes do show that you're no a millionaire. You did make a million in 20... 20- All right, hang tight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got to uh, X out one of these things on the computer here. All right, yeah, several hats. Several hats here on the Ben Jarofsky show. Sometimes it gets a little uh, complicated. All right, let's try this again. Here's the clip from Bernie Sanders during the town hall. Your taxes do show that you're a millionaire. You did make a million in 2016, 2017. You're right, the 561 in 2018. But your marginal tax rate, tax rate was 26% because of President Trump's tax cuts. So why not say, you know, I'm leading this revolution. I'm not going to take those. Come on. But there he, I am, I paid the taxes that I owe. And by the way. Why don't you got Donald Trump up here and ask him how much he pays in taxes? Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, well, I am eagerly awaiting your doing that. Well, we'd love to have you. We would love we'll, to we'll have you. We'll get him up here. And the president, I guess the president watches your network a little bit, right? <laughs> hey, President Trump, my wife and I just released 10 years. Please do the same. Let the American people know how much All right. But just, just to wrap that oh, up, yes. you do spend a lot of time vilifying millionaires. No, I don't vilify. All right, I don't vilify. Anyway, Andrew Rayla, what do you think about that? What do you think about that exchange? Bernie Sanders being grilled by Fox TV because uh, he's a millionaire. I never thought I'd see something like that. <laughs> but, you know, 
I mean, you know, he's moved up the ladder, but you have to remember, even when he ran, he was r- pulling in 200,000. Do you know what 200,000 makes you? 10%. You're in the top 10%. So he was in the top 10% for a long time before he pushed it up to the top 1%. And supposedly because of his book sales and, it, it you know, you get a little bit more money when you run for office. Yeah. So, um, But I think he was uh, Patrick. He was a fighter and he pushed back on that on that question. And I, I, I'm proud at how he responded. And do you, uh, Adolfo, agree? Do you think he handled Yeah, well? I don't think there's an issue of hypocrisy here because... Uh, you know, he was already making set amount of money, and he doesn't have a problem with implementing a tax scheme that would take a larger amount of his own money. Mm-hmm. So, I don't, I don't, you know, he could make twenty million for all we know. You know, it doesn't make him a hypocrite at all. Make him a hypocrite if all of a sudden, because of this new money that just poured in, he started to change his stance on it. But that's not what he's done. Well, the the what they're specifically doing with him is they're saying. Uh, that because of Donald Trump's uh, tax cuts from last year, uh, Bernie people of Bernie's income pay less. So they're saying hey, if you're paying less in taxes and you're such a big believer in paying more in taxes, you can refuse the amount of money uh, that you got back. Uh, do you think that's an effective argument to use against Absolutely him, Absolutely not. I think that was a, uh, just a Fox yeah. ploy. I mean, you know, say the same thing for Trump. I mean, you know, right. we, use, we don't even know what kind of loopholes he uses to cover his money, you know, cover paying well, well, well. That's why he doesn't want to turn over his tax returns. Right, and what a what a what a, a low dumb guy. question in terms of like, how futile would that be for Bernie to give that one, you know, that difference in one percent, you know, one one tax rate versus another, as if that added to all of the money in the coffers would then all of a sudden make a difference? No, it's when it's collectively collected that it makes a difference. Not if oh, we'll just take Bernie's little bit here, you know. Well, uh, do we have the, the clip on Bernie and uh, uh, health care at all? Do we have that one at all? Uh, yeah, I was going to play that one at the end. Okay. Uh, here's the next one okay, here. Bernie ahead. explained his definition of a democratic socialist. Democratic socialism to me, I believe that human beings, especially in a wealthy, democratic, civilized society like our own, are entitled to certain basic rights. So let me be very clear, and I'm sure we'll discuss it later in the show, Brett. I believe that health care is a human right, not a privilege. Okay? Health care? <laughs> the audience. Where did, I, I'm starting to think that Bernie packed that audience. Uh, we'll start with you this time, Adolfo. Democratic socialists, they're going to be using the word socialism a lot, uh, and they're going to be putting, applying it to, to Bernie Sanders. You heard his answer. How, uh, how, much, how successful was that answer? I, well, it got the crowd cheering, right? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, that tells you right there. I think these words, whether they're liberal or socialism or whatever, over the course of our history, have had different, um, have been viewed differently. So, any word can become a pejorative from one moment to you know a superlative or whatever the next moment. I think the job here is for someone like Bernie to explain himself and not let others define him. And I think he's done that very well. Mm -hmm. What's your thoughts on this one, Andrea? Well, I think we're in trouble if we keep using that. I think there's a real problem with um, millennials and baby boomers. They see and hear social Democrat and they're like, it's the plague. And um, I think that that's been the conservative agenda all along is to say they're socialists, they're socialists. And they said we're socialists when they even got uh, Medicare. And Social Security, we were socialists. That was a socialist program. But I think if we want to win the presidency, we got to move a little 
into the center because it's going to be very hard. There's a lot of candidates that won, as you know, the aldermanic uh, races that were espoused to be Democratic Socialist. And um, there is a Pew study that showed that the largest gap between the left Democrats and the right Republicans is the greatest gap in this administration over the last, like, four decades. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. So we are so, um, like, you know, oil and water. And we can't win with that kind of gap. We've got to move toward the center to get every American on top and on board to vote with the Democrats. Yeah, I'm going to take a slight uh, disagreement with you on that one. Uh, There are people in this country who are afraid. I agree with you on the label about socialism. I think it's an effective tactic, but I don't think it's millennials. I think the younger people are, the more they're tolerant they are, are, are indifferent to the distinction. It's my generation, uh, which will never get over 1972 and George McGovern losing to Richard Nixon, and the fact that you know this is the, the Clintons. I think are rooted in this. Right. Uh, they never that to them is the lifelong lesson they learn is that you can't you go too far left. You're going to be cut off from mainstream. So you have to constantly move toward the center. No matter if the center is moving toward the right, you keep moving toward the center. If you right. follow what I'm saying, and I think that. That's exactly right, and I think that that's the that's the battle at the heart of the Democrat Democratic Party right now. But what I think people fail to talk about is that the Bill and Hillarys of the world um, they were working in a world that was far different in terms of like the disproportionate the the wide gap between the poor and the rich in this country. They grew up in a time where uh, the economy was booming in this country, and there was there was a much larger middle class, and perhaps. Uh, taking that lesson from that election and uh, staying in the middle of the road to the right would have would have actually had uh, po- social policies where things trickled down. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I I don't think that the uh, circumstances are there for that kind of politics anymore. Uh, Andrea, I can't remember. Just excuse my memory. Were you Bernie or Hillary in 2016? I just can't remember. Hillary. Hillary, okay. All right, do you got another one? Absolutely. We got two more here. Uh, like you said earlier, Ben, it sounded like this crowd was feeling the burn on Fox News a little too much. Quick, Fox News, go back to the tax returns. <laughs> back on the, the taxes briefly. Uh, you know, go. when you wrote, wrote the book and you made the money, yeah. isn't yeah. that the definition of capitalism, the American dream? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, what we want is a country where everybody has opportunity. You know, I have a college degree. Like I'm a United States senator. But a lot of people don't have a college degree. A lot of people are not United States senators. I want everybody in this country to be able to have health care, to have education, to when they turn on the water, have drinkable water, not toxic water. So what we are fighting for, Brett, is a society not where just a few people can make a whole lot of money, but a society where everybody in this country has the opportunity to live in security uh, and dignity. Andrea Riley, what do you think about that as an appeal? I think it's persuasive. Yes, yes, very persuasive. But trying to get universal education covered and, and that is just, is it going to happen in our lifetime or will it take four presidents to, you know, make that really happen? It's got to have a revolution for that. I want to see a Democrat elected this time around and we've got to do better than what happened before. And, and let me just remind your listeners that when Hillary, you know, ran, she had two million uh, votes that were um because of our electoral college. Oh, yeah. Don't they, get me started okay. on that. You know, yeah. But they were the popular votes. Two yeah. million. Yeah. Al Gore had 900,000. 
So Hillary was po- more popular than Al Gore. Yeah. Um, and he had the same disease, the Electoral yeah. College. Yeah. Um, so we got to think about the Electoral College to try to get into that. Uh, All right. This sounds like a repeat of 2016. <laughs> Adolfo, what's your thoughts? I think that uh, the world we live in now is, if you look at historically, right, uh, with the, the, the gap between the rich and the poor is one where that middle of the road, stick to the right, doesn't work. And you're right, we need a revolution. And I think that people who made fun of Bernie, well, where's your revolution? Where's your revolution? Well, you know, four years later, Bernie's the one who's standing. Bernie's uh, the one who's changing people's minds and ideas. Bernie's the one who's responsible for companies like Amazon raising their uh, minimum wage. And so I know change comes gradually, but I think that if we go back to that old way, and old way is that Hillary and Bill Clinton way, I think it's not going to take four presidencies, it's going to take 20 presidencies. <laughs> I don't know if I can survive 20 presidencies. <laughs> I'm uh, all right, do you uh, got another yeah, one? We're going to close it out here with the big moment from last night. It's gone viral all over social media, and once again, I'm sure Fox News thought they were slick with this one. Uh, it came when the Fox News host took a show of hands from the audience oh, yeah, on Bernie's crazy. Medicare for All plan. Quite possibly the best thing aired on Fox television since its inception in three, <laughs> two, one. The audience has a lot of Democrats in it. It has uh, Republicans, independents, Democratic socialists, conservatives. Uh, I want to ask the audience a question, if you could raise your hand here. A show of hands of how many people get their insurance from work, private insurance, right now. How many get it from private insurance? Okay, now of those, how many are willing to transition to what the senator says, a government-run system? (laughs) Millions of people every single year lose their health insurance. You know why? They get fired or they quit and they go to another employer. I was the mayor for eight years. You know what I did, what probably every mayor in America does? is you look around for the best insurance program, the most cost-effective insurance, you change insurance. Every year, millions of workers wake up in the morning and their employer has changed the insurance that they have. Mm -hmm. Maybe they like the doctors, people are nodding their heads, okay? So this is not new, every year. Now what we're talking about actually is stability, that when you have a Medicare for all, it is there now and will be there in the future. Hey, wait, you're on Fox News. (laughs) Guys, I mean, they were cheering. I don't know. The Fox News audience was cheering. Listen, the the Chicago political observer in me thinks that audience was fixed. I'm just saying, all right? I've been around Chicago politics a long time, so maybe I'm just jaded, uh, Andrea Rayla. But uh, that was pretty remarkable. Uh, His call, clarion call for universal Medicare for all, Something uh, the great Studs Terkel would have been cheering about if he was alive and to see it. Single payer systems. The single payer system, uh, Andrea. When you hear that, uh, is your first instinct like mine, uh, the typical jaded Chicago observer, to say, "Oh, they must have packed the audience"? Or do you believe that this is an issue Democrats can run on? I think it is an issue Democrats can run on. Since I have five brothers who are devout Republicans, they're for a single-payer system. They're for this type of health care system because they've been victimized, one getting cancer, one losing his job. A lot of Republicans are supportive of it. Wait, time out. I'm stunned on two fronts. One, I did not know you had five brothers who are Republicans. <laughs> That's pretty... They live in Louisiana. 
Good God. So how did you emerge from this family? I escaped. (laughs) (laughs) Andrea Rayla broke out at an early age. Uh, So you think this is a winning uh, issue for Democrats? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, All right, Dolph, you've been way... (laughs) I got to give this guy credit. He was for Bernie... So long before it was fashionable. Would you, is the, it, are you jaded like me when you hear the audience cheer? Do you think it's a packed audience? Or do you think that it's legitimate, as Andrea is saying? I think I would normally crossover. think it was packed, but this was at Fox headquarters, right? So we're their studio, so... I, I don't I don't have any reason to believe I think it would be packed the, in the other yeah. direction right S- setting them up yeah to boo yeah right yeah. exactly that's what they they want but that just shows you I mean the charisma of I mean people say that he's a boring old man and yet this boring old man somehow has moved young individuals older individuals and people like me who were jaded and were tired of everything and then all of a sudden you know heard this guy talk and said wow you know i think this guy you know has a deep understanding and for many years he's been the the lone person calling for all this stuff but it makes sense all right very good you got any more d is that it we played them all oh that was great bernie sanders on fox tv and yes uh, I was very encouraged when I heard uh, those cheers. But again, it's that Chicago in me. Immediately, I think there's nothing we can do. It's hopeless. Uh, before I let you go, Andrew, you want to talk a little bit more about this? This thing at the Breakers is open to the public? Oh, that's right. That's the um, uh, Edgewater Historical Society. They're doing a fundraiser tonight. Um, you, there's plenty, you can come in and buy a ticket at the door. Um, the Breakers, I think, is at uh, 5200 North Sheridan 5333 Road. 5333 North Sheridan Road. Right. And there might be a phone number there or an email, but uh, if you go on Facebook and you put in the um, Edgewater Historical Society, that information is up there. And it's the 60s. We're going to be dressed up like the 60s. It's going to be right. great. Although I think Doris Davenport is more like a 70. Although that could be like a, a fifth dimension outfit. Yeah, she's got yeah, those right. boots. Anybody right. in this room know about the fifth dimension yeah. other than me? Fantastic. Uh, hair, right? Content. Hair? Were they, they, they sang the, the hair, right? Unbelievable that you know that. And uh, uh, this is what was the it, McCoo? Uh, Marilyn McCoo is, right. Man, look at Adolfo. Man. Look well, at the brain Chicago, on Brad. Didn't she have a Chicago tie? Didn't she do, like, uh, WGN? Um, oh, now you're, I don't think so. Marilyn McCoo, didn't she do a program? No, you're thinking of somebody else. I know who you're thinking okay. of, but it's not her. It's not Marilyn uh, and, uh, But Marilyn McCoo, I will now uh, sing one of my favorite Marilyn McCoo. No, Dennis goes, do not sing <laughs> one less bell to answer. Need to keep one of Doris Davenport's favorite song. <laughs> that is Meryl McCoo in the Fifth Dimension. Anyway, uh, Andrea Rayla, thank you so much uh, for coming in the studio, continuing the conversation about property taxes, a conversation that we began uh, in the 1980s right. when Andrea Rayla was an, uh, uh, an advisor to Pat Quinn. At the Cook County Board of Review. Review. And I was a young journalist just in <laughs> Chicago, yeah. filling up notebooks with notes about property taxes. Uh, Adolfo Mondragon wasn't even like five when that was going what, down. What year you said? Uh, about 83, yeah. I want to say. So 83, I was, 84. I was okay, 10. almost 10. All right. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it's a blast talking to you, and thank you so much for coming in, Adolfo. As always, Rita Bosworth earlier in the show, sisterdistrict.com. Sister nice. You, want, you know, that's tough to say. Sister 
district.com and uh miles porter our ace uh, editor the pride and joy of evanston the pride and joy of the roosevelt university baseball team he's batting about 500 batting a thousand in our book uh doris davenport she's silent today she won't be when i bring her in a couple of weeks we'll be talking politics and of course the man the myth the legend behind the board the pride and joy of alton illinois the ladies all love him for his body and his mind dr d give yourself a raise take it out of petty cash see you tomorrow everybody <laughs> And hey, live streamers, all 42 of you. Remember, if you missed any of the program, you can download it. Give me about, I don't know, 35, 40 minutes. ChicagoReader.com. Chicago.SunTimes.com is where you can find today's show and previous Ben Jarofsky shows. Hey, downloaders, how's it going? You know, we live stream this show. Yeah, Tuesday through Friday, 1 p.m. until 3 p.m. Same website, chicagoreader.com, chicago.suntimes.com. Remember to find us on Facebook and Twitter at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show. We're almost to 1,200 likes, and as soon as we get there, we'll have our caption contest. We'll see you tomorrow.